What's up, everybody? We are back with the Hot Pie Happy Hour. I'm your host here, Quinn Kusky. We got the boy. We got Sammy with us. Sammy, what you drinking? What you smoking tonight? Yo, I got the uh, the trifecta of drinks in front of me. So I've got the uh, the whiskey. I'm drinking some Jameson uh, Stout Edition. If you haven't had it, it's pretty uh, pretty solid Irish whiskey. Goes down pretty smooth. Uh, if you're a, a non you might actually like this. It's it's pretty solid. I'm in Wisconsin, hanging out with uh with my parents. My mother just retired. Yes, I'm old. They're old as well. So hey, when in Rome, so I've got myself some PBRs to drink on as well, and I got a water because I got to chase that PBR down, man. It's it's pretty it's pretty rough. I also got I've also got CAO Flathead that I'm smoking. It's a good cigar. 2015, I think it's number three, maybe number five cigar of the year. Uh, that year, it's a, uh, it's a little tough though. I mean, you got to be a, a heavy cigar smoker to put one of these down. I have uh, sat on my couch after one, feeling a little, a little queasy, getting, getting my bearings right after having one of these cigars. It's not for the faint of heart. Now, Sammy, if someone wanted to get one of these cigars that you're smoking, where should they go? Well, Quinn, first of all, I'm going to say, go to the Fantasy Football Expo in a couple of weeks because we. Fantasy Affarians are going to be there, and we're going to be uh, be sponsored by Best Cigar Prices. They're uh, they're giving us some cigars to give away. Uh, I'll make sure I've got a good selection for everybody. Uh, anything from a, a light bodied cigar to a full body, and uh, maybe a couple in between. But yeah, go check out Best Cigar Prices. Promo code Sammy Claus. Uh, I haven't. This is our first podcast in a while. I haven't checked in with the guys to make sure that the, the promo code's working. But hey, if it's not, hit me up on Twitter. I'll get a hold of those guys and I can get that promo code working for you in about 24 hours. So like I said, best cigar prices, promo code, Sammy Claus, 10% off everything in the store. And let me know, hit me up on Twitter and I'll and these guys, it's not working. These guys really are best cigar prices. Sammy, I do believe you said they'll price match if you find a better price anywhere else. Correct. That's right. So you go to any of the other big brands, uh, one of them with the initial CI, for instance, you find a find a deal going on at that that website, uh, which is probably the biggest, not the best, but the biggest. Uh, you find a price there, and you contact them through customer service and tell them, "Hey, I found this price somewhere else. Don't match it." Uh, I'll give you a quick story. One of the first times I ever went to their retail store before they even had the pub, and uh, it was just the the uh, online stuff. I hit them up, told them, "Hey, I found this somewhere else." They gave it to me at that value plus ten percent off for the the inconvenience. So they take care of you, man. And now we have an, a, a new and now permanent addition. He was here before. He was part of our mock draft broadcast, if anyone was listening to that. We got Kobe with us. How's it going, Kobe? What you, what you drinking tonight? How's it going, man? And I'm drinking uh, – it's from a brewery called Stone. It's one that I think you're pretty familiar with as well. Given oh, we've talked one, about or, it a few times. You're the one that turned me on to him. So, quick story. Quinn is the reason – that I don't drink PBRs anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm drinking a stone. It's called Imperial Star Fokker. Um, and it's a hazy IPA. Um, very nice, smooth flavor. Um, but, but man, does it hit hard if you're not careful. I, pre- I appreciate that I'm holding it down for, uh, for Maddie Daddy as the man of the people with the PBR. I appreciate that this week. 
Oh yeah. Uh, you could always quit, count on Maddie Daddy to be drinking some, you know, Coors Light or Miller, something like that. Miller, Miller Light. Don't, don't, hey, don't, don't, hey, don't, don't sleep on the Miller Light. Look, wait, what are you, uh, what are you drinking, buddy? Uh, we got, we got, you know, something I've had a few times on this show before. We got Stone, their Hazy Double IPA, Fear Movie Lions, you know, FML. They say it stands for Fear Movie Lions. We know what it really stands for. It's fantastic. Big Stone fans here on the broadcast. What's the uh, what's the alcohol content on that? If it's a uh, if it's an FML, the FML is an eight point five percent. I'm sitting at nine. Starfalker's nine and smoother than the FML. Starfalker's a scary beer. If you have a chance to try it, it's one of the scarier nine percenters I've had. So let me, let me tell you. So so this is the first pod that we've done in about two months. So. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll go a little bit behind the curtain. There were some vacations going on, some other work-related stuff going on between me and Quinn, so we had to take a little hiatus. But during that time, I was able to go to Ocean City, Maryland, and less than an hour away is the Dogfish Head Brewery. And Dogfish mm-hmm. makes some stuff that I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with, but if you can ever make it to their brewery, not the brew pub in Rehoboth, but the brewery in Milton, Delaware – they have some of the best damn beers you could ever drink. They had this IPA on tap that was, like you said, eight, eight and a half percent. That was just fantastic. Smooth as could be. They don't even produce it. It's only in uh in the brew pub or in the brewery. Just awesome, man. Yeah. Dogfish had love their brewery. Also, Stone has locations for listeners, you know, maybe on either coast. They got locations out in California. They also have a location in Richmond. Virginia. And if you're ever out in, you know, near a stone brewery, hit up their brewery because they've, they're going to have stuff just like Dogfish Head and really any, you know, big name brewing company like that. Yep. They're going to have stuff on tap that you cannot get anywhere else. With Stone, last time I was there, they had a oak barrel aged arrogant bastard ale from 2014. You cannot oh, get sure that, that anywhere fantastic. else. Oh my God, it was so good. I was drunk after one, but I wasn't driving. <laughs> I do not yeah, you drive, drive to Stone Brewing places. Company because I know where I'll be, it, what state I'll be in when I leave. There you go. Actually, you won't know what state you'll be in, which is why you can't drive. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Quinn, what are, we, what are we getting into this week? All right, yeah, so we got, we got some football news. You know, we got, we're going to talk some Aaron Rodgers, we know he's going to be a Packer this season. What is he? Where is he going to be after this season? And what does that mean for his dynasty value, both him and Devontae Adams? We're going to talk Deshaun Watson. Is he a Texan this year? Is he something else? What does that mean for his fantasy value, both this year and in the future? And we're going to talk some, you know, Cam Akers is down. It looks like Daryl Henderson's going to be the guy. It's been a week. They haven't made any move at running back. So it looks like they're all in on Henderson. Assuming he is the guy, where do we rank him amongst running backs? And we're going to get into NBA and NHL playoff recaps. And we're going to talk the newest team in hockey, the Seattle Kraken. What do we think they're going to do in free agency? How do we think they're going to be this season? Uh, Sounds like a full show, buddy. Oh, it's going to be busy. We got, we also got a new segment coming to you from Sammy, inspired by Nikita Kucherov. You'll know it when you hear it. And, of course, we're going to have our music moment to close out the show. Hey, can I, just, can I just say real quick, that's Stanley Cup champion, two-time 
Back to back. Kucherov. 18 back million. To back. Let's do it. All right, let's get right into it. We're going to lead right off with Aaron Rodgers. We just found out they have renegotiated his contract in Green Bay to where he is going to play this season for the Packers, but they've given him an out for this next season so that he can enter the free agency pool and decide where he wants to play in 2022. Vegas does not currently have odds out on his 2022 landing spot. So I pulled up the odds from what team will Aaron Rodgers play for game one of the 2021 NFL season back when everyone thought he was going to get traded because I feel like these odds still kind of work in the sense of these are still the teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback next offseason anyways, dependent on, of course, the Deshaun Watson talks that we might have. But the odds were the Green Bay Packers minus 220. If you bet the Packers, congrats, you win. Um, and then for other teams, because we know he's not – well, we don't know he's not going to be a Packer, but it looks like he's not going to be a Packer. If he winds up not being a Packer, we, they had the Denver Broncos at plus 175. They, and then they had the Raiders at plus 700. The Browns at plus 1,000. And then the Saints and Washington football team at plus 2,800. The Dolphins were plus 3,500. And the Panthers and the Chargers were plus 4,000. The, the Chargers kind of surprises me there. That, that surprises me, too. When I pulled it up, that, that kind of stunned me. I mean, granted, it's plus 4,000, but even to have them on the board is, is kind of surprising. Yeah. Yeah, those were the odds right. as of uh, June 18th. So, so Kobe, what do you what do you think for 2022? Um, so there's there's a bunch of teams that are are in a prove it year with their quarterback right now this year. Um, assuming the Broncos don't go after Deshaun Watson, um, the Broncos are going to be a big uh, big look. Um, I know the Raiders are getting tired of Derek Carr because it seems like it's the same old, same old, and they're not really winning games. So wonder if you try and get a former MVP, you know, that really helps. And potentially that trade could give the Packers a, a viable number one option if you're still not there with uh, Jordan Love, which I don't suspect at this point they wouldn't go with Jordan Love. Um, but, yeah, Broncos and Raiders are two teams that, that I, I, I like for them. Broncos, same area of the country that he's kind of already in uh kind of near the uh that area and uh th that's a really really strong wide receiver room that i think he would love you know so good strong opportunity for him to just continue to be to be great because he'll have tons of targets and he'll have a good running back behind him in melvin gordon and, and things like that so now if let's say uh kobe let's say he goes to denver do you think that increases his fantasy value from this year in Green Bay? Or do you think his fantasy value goes down? If you currently own Aaron Rodgers and you think he's going to Denver next year, are you a buyer or a seller of Rodgers? Are you keeping him or are you shipping him out? So I'm always a buyer of Rodgers, period. Number one. Number two, uh, NFC North tends to have stronger, uh, one of the strongest uh, – front fours just across the whole uh 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 division 
So maybe, but AFC West, hell, it's that's just as strong. So, you know, I don't know if it helps or hurts because you're he's going to a better O line. You get okay, better O line, but he's kind of a mobile guy that's made things happen anyway. You're getting a stronger uh, defensive core, I think, outside of Devontae Adams. But really, they have Devontae Adams and then a bunch of role players. Just um, And then I think you have more viable options, viable, op- viable number, one, number two options, so, so to speak, in, in, uh, in Denver. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. He's losing – he, he will not have a better number one receiver in Denver, but he will have a better overall receiving core in Denver. Now, are you in the same boat where you're buying Rodgers if he goes to Las Vegas, or are you more willing to sell him as a Raider? Well, so you're going to a weaker O-line. You're going to less viable receivers. You have Henry Ruggs. Um, but has he proven himself? He hasn't, but... I mean, you get Rodgers and you have that speed. Sorry, you're going to be successful, period. Um, so that's one thing to look at. Another thing to look at is what are they going to do this uh, next offseason, too, is, you know, who do they draft another running or uh, receiver? Do they uh, fix that offensive line? You know, does that offensive line need fixing? Because we haven't seen what it's going to look like. It's obviously going to be different than what it was in 2020. But is it going to be worse? Oh, that's coming in backwards. Sorry, we just had hockey news break. The Lightning just traded Tyler Johnson and a second-round pick to the Blackhawks for Brent Seabrook. We'll wow. Talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll get to that, but that literally just broke three minutes ago as we're recording. Oh, nice. But, right, so, uh, so let me let me give you guys let me give you guys my take on on Aaron Rodgers with, with those two places that we just discussed. So, yeah, I think on paper, it looks good. If he went to, went to the Denver Broncos, I think you got a better receiving core. That's, that's obvious. The one thing with Aaron Rodgers that I think has been kind of lost is he really relies on one go-to guy. And and he's done that throughout his entire career. Uh, if, If you look at the rapport that he had with Donald driver, I mean, Donald driver was never a great, wide receiver but early in in Aaron Rodgers career he really relied on him and he's done that every you know with with every core that he's ever had now could he find that guy obviously it could be Sutton it could be you know Font underneath it could Judy. be Judy you never know you know he could he could he could find that guy that's 100% 100% kind of accurate but it's not obvious walking into that situation that they have an alpha one wide receiver and, and i could see that being an issue um you know he's got that guy in in Devontae adams that just kind of you know get gets himself open they're just always on the same page they know where each other's gonna be they enjoy playing together i mean if you, you, you look at them they obviously uh, got a real good not just on-field chemistry but off-field chemistry um uh, you know that's it, it's almost one of those situations where uh, look at the Brooklyn Nets, for instance. Everybody was kind of wondering what's going to happen when they had KD, uh, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. And is there enough ball to go around? And granted, there were some inju- inju- uh, injuries with them this year, so it's not quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But you can see even when those guys played, you know, there was kind of a struggle to figure out who was going to play what role and who was going to do what. And they actually had to pull James Harden 
you know, a, a former 30 point a game scorer and, and say, no, you're going to be the facilitator for the team and you can't get the ball and score every time. And it, it might be one of those type of dynamics there in Denver in, uh, in, in Vegas. I think his fantasy value drops tremendously. I think it's pretty even between what he's got in green Bay now, regardless of what they bring in or lose in free agency, uh, barring uh, Devonta Adams leaving. Uh, I think it's pretty, it's pretty close between Denver and green Bay, but man, you get a, uh, you get him on that Vegas team and I'd be selling them in a heartbeat. I just don't think they have the weapons and I don't think they have the right offense with that West coast offense that Gruden likes to run that really excels with the skill set that Aaron Rodgers has got. Yeah. So I'm kind of with y'all on the fact that I think the Broncos and Raiders are favorites. Um, I don't think he's going to go to Denver and we'll get into why with the next quarterback we talk about. I think I would love to see him. And Sammy kind of mentioned this and you're going to see why I like these two teams a lot off of Sammy's point. If he loves a true number one that he can build a rapport with new Orleans and Washington, he goes to new Orleans. He's got his true number one. He he's liked those slower, you know, they're not going to burn you down the field, but they're great route runner guys like Devonte Adams, like Donald driver. And he's going to have that in new Orleans with slant boy, Michael Thomas. And then you go to Washington and he's got, he's, he's got Terry McLaurin. He's got scary Terry in Washington. And that's a true number one receiver. I think Terry McLaurin hasn't had the chance to prove himself. Terry McLaurin reminds me right now of like where DeAndre Hopkins was when he was getting passes to him from Tom Savage. And everyone was like, this guy's, this guy might be good, but we haven't seen him get passes from a good quarterback yet. Well, now we've seen him get passed from a good quarterback and he's arguably the best receiver in football. If not, he's top three. Um, and I think Terry McLaurin could be in that same boat if he starts getting targets from a good quarterback. And I would love to see Aaron Rodgers in Washington with that team they've put together. I'm a buyer if he goes to New Orleans or Washington, 100%. I'm a buyer if he winds up in Denver. And I'm just like Sammy, I'm a seller if he goes to Vegas. I don't think he has the receiving options in Vegas that he does in Green Bay, Denver, New Orleans, or Washington. And I don't so, think – the Browns don't make sense. They, I think they're set on Baker. The Dolphins, Panthers, and Chargers, I'm not sold on. He could go to Carolina, but I don't think so. So, so what – go ahead, go ahead, Kobe. Nope. Uh, Good. I'm not sold on the Chargers thing. I think the only reason the odds are there is because that he's from California. So I think that's kind of the that's the home team that doesn't have a veteran quarterback. Yeah. Although Herbert, a lot of people uh, are talking now that he's going to end up being a future MVP and he's got all these expectations and he's a good quarterback. And to to get off of Rogers for a second. Herbert, uh, if you don't have Herbert, if Herbert's available in your league, buy him because that that is a good fantasy buy. But um, I think that's the only reason that Chargers are even spoken about there is because that's kind of the hometown team right now for him. Yeah. So, so what if he stays, Quinn? Because that's that's my my bet. I'm putting money down for 2022. Where's Aaron Rodgers going to be? And I'm going to say he's either out of the league or back with Green Bay. What What are your thoughts if he's back there? Well, so if he stays, then Devontae stays. And I think if I'm Rodgers, if I'm thinking I'm going to stay in 22, 
what I would do is I would sign a one-year deal and then say, give me more people to throw the ball to. Because he's been begging for it for years. Now he's at this point with this organization that he almost just refused to play for a season. If you're Green Bay, you've got to give this man what he wants. If you want to keep the legitimate MVP of the league last year on your team, give him people to throw the ball to. I think if they promise to bring in receiving options for him, either in free agency or the draft, I'm with you that he'll stay, but it's dependent on that. Hey, so the, the, and the one team, and this will be a nice little segue. The one team that we didn't mention is the Houston Texans, because I don't think that they've got going to have a quarterback moving into 2022. That's uh, anywhere close to the caliber of an Aaron Rodgers. So what do you guys think about that? See, if it was via trade that he was moving, I'd be right with you that it makes sense for Houston. But the fact that it's going to be a free agency decision, Rodgers is getting older. He's going to go somewhere where he thinks the addition of him wins a Super Bowl, which in my opinion is Denver, New Orleans, or Washington, a team that is a elite quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Or even a Tampa if Tom retires, but we'll see. Yeah, if Tom retires, I could definitely like if if the Bucks, if the Bucks don't win a Super Bowl this year, I could see Tom staying around to try to get another ring. If they do, I could also see Tom riding off into the sunset a Super Bowl champion and then Rogers going there that offseason. That just would not be fair to the rest of football fans, by the way. Like it was, uh, Kobe, it was like what I was talking to you about the other day. I could see the Buccaneers legitimately keeping that roster together and winning four consecutive Super Bowls, two with Brady and two with Rodgers. I I could definitely see that because I like Bruce Arians as a coach because he does a really good job of, well, he's like, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady was a very risk-averse quarterback with the uh, Patriots when Bill Belichick's system. He goes to Bruce Arians' system. He struggles for a couple weeks because now it's, all right, hey, air it out. If it's picked, it's picked. We'll deal with it on defense. And then he got used to it, and then they won a Super Bowl. So Aaron Rodgers, similar kind of uh, of a progression arc where uh, he doesn't like to throw those – because he, he grew up watching Brett Favre, like, like we were talking about. He, mm-hmm. So Brett Favre would just sling it like it's third down. All righty. Yeah. He looks kind of open and launch it, you know, and this is triple coverage. I got a piss missile for an arm. I'll get it in there. And, and, and the cool thing with Brett Favre though, is Brett Favre could do it one out of three times. He's throwing picks on two of those uh, throws. Damn it. He was, was fun to watch, and, but it was third and long or fourth and long on those plays that he did that anyway, for the most part. So I wonder if Aaron Rodgers. He could very easily step up and throw into those tight windows that Bruce Arians is going to require him to throw into. So it'd be a good one to look at. Uh, just one thing about that. If you listen to some of Aaron Rodgers' interviews or some of his the articles that he's been quoted in, he is very, very risk-averse when it comes to throwing picks. Like he can, he can damn near name every single player that's ever intercepted him. There's an article in ESPN that is really, really insightful 
on just the whole perception that Aaron Rodgers has when it comes to playing quarterback and not throwing picks and being risk averse when it comes to turning the ball over, not necessarily taking the big shot, but, but when he thinks that he may have an opportunity to turn the ball over, he won't take it. So um, I still think the air that the, the Bruce Arians offense that you just brought up, I think that would be awesome to watch with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I just don't want to miscommunicate something. I think Aaron Rodgers is very, very self-aware when it comes to throwing picks, turning the ball over. And it's, it's obviously something he did not pick up from Brett Favre, uh, despite the fact that they're both very similar in terms of being kind of gunslinger and taking shots down the field. You have, and if you haven't read that ESPN article, I encourage all of our listeners to go out there and, and, and find it. It's from about two, three months ago. It was really, really interesting uh, about just the, the psyche of Aaron Rodgers. So to kind of close on Aaron Rodgers real quick, this one's in honor of the Maddie Daddy. Got to have the, right the mic just like he used to do. Um, but so Devontae Adams. I think it's a given statement based on what we've seen this offseason. If Rodgers leaves Green Bay, Devontae leaves Green Bay. Is do either are either of y'all willing to argue that that if that if Rodgers leaves, Devontae leaves? Nope. Eh, it depends who they bring in a quarterback. Because like if they end up with Derek Carr, I mean you could I don't, easily I don't think him. they bring in a quarterback. I think they go Jordan Love if Rodgers leaves. Yeah, I think bringing in Derek Carr is about the only way you keep Devontae in Green Bay just because that college connection might keep him there. But I would even argue that Devontae is probably following uh, Aaron Rodgers if there isn't a spot open on that roster. For example, if he decides, let's go play in Vegas, well, they need a number one receiver as of right now. Yep. Yeah, so, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Adam stays. Uh, and I – I might say that even if Rodgers is playing there next year, I don't know if Adam stays. So, yeah, so we're going to say, so also, how does that feel if you're Jordan Love and it's looking like you're going to be the starting quarterback for your team and then your team's number one receiver is like, fuck you, I don't want to catch passes from you. I would rather not play football for a year than play with you as my quarterback. What does that do for your psyche if dude, you're Jordan Love? Dude, Jordan Love wasn't even active for a game this season. He was the number three wide receiver, or receiver, number three quarterback on that Packers roster. Tim Boyle was the backup quarterback for all 16 games this season. I... I mean, that by itself kind of tells me something about what the Packers organization, specifically the coaching staff, thinks of Jordan Love. Yeah, I get it. You jumped up in the first round to draft this guy. But the fact that the coaches don't even feel comfortable enough with him to be the backup quarterback, I mean, I don't know what Tim Boyle's bringing to the table that, that makes him so special. But, again, it's more of an indictment to me on Jordan Love. And, and the fact that you would rather have Tim Boyle as your backup quarterback than Jordan Love. I don't think it's entirely an indictment. So the, the whole point is they felt Jordan Love was not ready to be a professional quarterback. Um, 
their biggest thing was he's a rookie. He's young. Same thing I have with Aaron Rodgers. Um, where he, Aaron, he Rodgers, sat- Aaron Rodgers was always the backup, though. He was. Like, I, can't, I can't think of a first-round quarterback that ever sat an entire year inactive as a number three quarterback. I'll concede that. But, I mean, still, you know. So then if Aaron Rodgers is gone, does that make Jordan Love the starter now? Because that was kind of the argument a minute ago. But, I mean, then would they be looking for a quarterback? Because if they're putting him at number three to start, does that if mean you, that? My, my thought is if you put that kind of draft capital into a guy like Jordan Love, you got to at least give him a few starts. If Rodgers leaves – and you never start Jordan Love, and instead you go and get another quarterback. That's just a mistake. You don't you just draft. Yeah, exactly. You don't draft a quarterback in the first round, and then the guy that you because they drafted Love to replace Rodgers eventually. You don't make that move, and then never even give him a chance to start. So he's got to play at some point. But yeah, so I, back. I, I, no, I, I agree with you. He's, he's got to play at some point. I just think it, it's, it screams that there was a deficiency in some way with what he brought to the table coming out of college when they saw him that first mini camp, that first training camp, to make them think, nope, Tim Boyle's got to be our number two, not Jordan Love. There has to be something going on there. And it some could type have of been, deficiency. Well, it could have been the lack of training camp and the lack of an off season and the lack of a preseason, they didn't, he didn't really get reps at the NFL level because of COVID. And that could have had a big part to play in that. But that's fair. That's absolutely and, fair. And where you don't have reps at the NFL level, look, the college level, he played, he played at North Dakota state, right? No, he played at Utah state, Utah state. Who am I thinking? Of? Oh, I'm thinking Trey of Lance. Wrong. I'm thinking of Trey Lance. But, but he played at Utah State. He never really had professional pressure, right? And he wasn't – in Utah State, he wasn't really playing SEC teams where they're in the backfield every play. So maybe, you know, where he didn't have pro reps, he never got training camp. He wasn't he never playing in a Power 5 conference. Yeah, he wasn't playing in a Power 5 conference. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he didn't have – like in the SEC or the, the Big Ten where they just produce defensive players like no other. Um. He was no disrespect to Utah State. They're starting a Power Five conference playing against much stronger, you know, competition. But at any rate, so the 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 biggest competition that he saw was occasionally maybe a low ball Power Five team that went and played them. So so going to, going back to Aaron Rodgers' gripe and his complaint with the organization. If you can't translate this guy's skill set to become a number one quarterback in a short amount of time, why are you trading up in the first round to draft him instead of getting Aaron Rodgers more weapons when Aaron Rodgers is just a serve? I shouldn't say just right, a serve, but I think but in a normal season, NFL MVP. Yeah, yeah. You you traded up to draft a quarterback, and then your current quarterback won an MVP award. Maybe that MVP award comes with a Super Bowl if you had given him other options to throw to outside of Devontae Adams. What's their second option? Robert Toyin, who's solid, uh, but I mean, damn. What, what is it? it was, uh, so, it was, so, so it was supposed to be Devin Funches, and, yeah. and you can hate on Devin Funches as much as you want. I think, I think he actually would have been 
a good compliment on the other side to Devonte Adams. I think that type of receiver, a big body guy that you can throw a jump ball to and, and kind of a outlet type dude. I think that would have been really good for that team, but you know, it, he didn't play just, I mean, come on, just get the guy some damn weapons, man. I, I sympathize with Aaron Rodgers issues with the, the Packers organization. And like I said, I'm in Wisconsin right now. I've, I've been here for five days. I've actually gone round and round with people here in Wisconsin about this specific issue because I mean, they're, they're all angry here about what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Well, guys, come on. You got to recognize this dude is, is worried about his career and his legacy. And if people aren't helping him out in the organization to get where he thinks he should be, I'd have an issue with it too. Yep. Now back to giving guys weapons. You want to give somebody a weapon back to Devonte Adams. He leaves. Where do y'all think he's going? Me and Sammy talked earlier about where I think he's going. What are y'all's thoughts? He leaves. Where is he going? There's a bunch of options. I know he was talking with uh, Keenan Allen on Twitter. I don't know if that'll come to fruition at all, but um, that you know who's got a, you know who's got a chub thinking about that one. Hi, a resident, I mean, a, a resident Charger fan. My jersey's in the mail. <laughs> all right, and since since we're doing the Homer Derby, um, I'm gonna say the Steelers, but because uh, Juju's gonna leave, and then that would be a good. Uh, number one target for a young quarterback like Mason Rudolph or perhaps Dwayne Haskins. Honestly, Devonta Adams can go wherever he wants with cap room or uh, to a team with cap room. And he's going to be successful because he's always going to be open. And if he has a good quarterback. So um, not Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Will you let me get there, man? <laughs> It was just too easy. It was too hey, so, easy. So I, I see, I see Devonte Adams very similar to, and granted he, he's a free agent next year, right? Yeah. He's good. So yeah, he's in a so, contract year. Yeah. So, so I see him in a situation similar to Julio. Now, granted Julio was trade market. I get that, but Julio still and, had a say in where he went. That's right. And there were what? 12 teams. I, I think the, the, the last podcast we did that unfortunately didn't get published, we talked quite about the quite a bit about this, Quinn, and in the different landing spots for Julio. I think it's the same type of market that you would see for Devontae Adams. I think you get contenders, uh, everyone from a Miami to a Tampa. I mean, you think Antonio Brown's leaving. You bring Devontae Adams in as as the third wide receiver. Or, you move Godwin. Or Godwin back to the I was slot. gonna say, or Godwin leaves. He's tagged right now. He's playing on a franchise yeah. tag. I mean, ex exactly. You see him going to a contender. I could see him going to, to an Arizona team. Um, you know, they they're they're stockpiling oh, some, some bets right now. Yeah, I mean, Sorry, think about I how just awesome thought, that would be. Oh my God! I just thought about fucking Kyler Murray throwing a D hop and Devonte. Oh yes. my God! Yep. that would be so much talking. fun to watch. Here's a team nobody's talking about as an option: the New York Giants. So they don't really have a viable number one option at wide receiver. Kenny Galladay. But if Devontae yeah, Adams is up, he's clear number he's two. He's a two right? for me. Exactly, yeah. Galladay's a two for me. Give Daniel Jones Devontae Adams and Kenny Galladay to throw to. And with give Slayton him the in the slot. And, with Slayton in the slot. And then I want you to hand it off to Saquon Barkley. When he's healthy, if he stays healthy, which if you have that kind of caliber around him, 
he might have a better chance of staying healthy because he's not going to get as many touches, right? So then you have that team. That's a strong fantasy offense. And I think Devontae Adams to Giants shoots Daniel Jones's fantasy stock through the roof because now you have two top uh, top guys to throw to and a good check down guy in Saquon Barkley. So what's funny is um, me and someone else who has guested on this pod before, uh, Tom, we were looking at the Giants receiving core now. And we were talking about, is it legitimately an argument for the best receiving core in the league right now? You have Galladay, you have Dante Pettis, you have Sterling Shepard, you have Darius Slayton, you, they just drafted Kadarius Tooney. You also have John Ross there. And we can't forget about big fat boy, Kelvin Benjamin. Okay. Do, what is your definition of one of the best? Like top depth. five, top 10? Depth. depth. Like from, a, from a depth perspective and how many like solid and good receiving options they have. We weren't even talking about just like top five. We were saying, is this potentially the best receiving core in football? But is it the best receiving court in fantasy? Yeah. In fantasy, no, because I think there's too many mouths there that are going to be catching passes. But legitimately, from an NFL perspective, like in a success from an overall group perspective, is that the best receiving core in football? No. What receiving core is better than that group? I'd say your Chargers are the Chargers don't the Chargers have two receivers. I mean, behind them they have Guyton and Tyron Johnson, who I like both of those guys, but they're not as good as the third and fourth and fifth receivers in New York right now. Uh the Bucks I, with uh Godwin and Evans the, and- that that is a fair that I think is the only team that might have an argument. Yeah, that was that, that so that's where I was going and even if you look at Scotty Miller, their number four receiver this year, he's still 500, 500 yards receiving on 33 catches. So you still got a you still got a yeah. guy who produced at a solid level. Because the Giants four is Pettis, and Dante Pettis is a good receiver. We saw that in San Fran. Yeah, you know, just something I wanted to throw out there that you know they do have a good receiving core now. They still can't protect Daniel Jones. Not at they all. Still can't, they still can't block <laughs> for Saquon Barkley. So, you know, you can put as many weapons as you want around him. If you don't have an offensive line, it's over. Ask the Browns. That's right. Um, you know, they all put right, an offensive line. But so back back to, the, to, to refocus, back to Devontae Adams and landing spots. I genuinely believe because, because of the fact that he is a free agent, and he's going to have the choice of where he wants to go. I think he's going to be a charger. And this isn't even a Homer thing. This is a Devonte Adams Twitter feed thing where he just out of the fucking blue just tweets out and I'll read it right here. Just want to remind y'all that me and Keenan Allen would go for 300 yards a game. I bet enjoy your night. And then within a day of that, Keenan just tweets out at Devonte Adams at Tay 15 Adams. Come on home, brother. Come on home. And I mean, Twitter lost its fucking mind there over that one. And 
it was really funny to watch Packers fans off the Devonte tweet saying that, Oh, that means that Keenan Allen's going to green Bay. And then chargers fans had to remind them that Keenan just signed a four year extension and Devonte's in a contract year and just watch their hearts get broken. Hey, the only problem with going to the chargers, you got to play 17 away games all year. Ouch. I mean, I could do a playing 17 away games. If I got, if I get a guy like Justin Herbert, throwing me the ball. All right. Because I think that does play into account. He knows that he's getting an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert. He's also He also knows that he's not going to a team where he's going to be double teamed every snap because Keenan Allen's on the other side of the field. The Chargers have $56 million hey, in, in a cap. Oh, wide receivers prefer to play, in my opinion, top wide receivers prefer to play in away stadiums because they have that ego and that swagger, that – uh, that attitude that, hey, I don't care that you're cheering for the other team. Why don't you just shut your mouth and watch me uh, receive for 200 yards and four touchdowns against you? Be quiet. Yeah, and I think the one exception to that could be Lambeau Field and where you've got 80,000 ridiculous-ass drunk Wisconsinites sitting oh, yeah, in it. Uh, like, that's that, it's got to be top two or three fan bases in the entire country. Yeah. Entire NFL. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, a, it's almost like a college atmosphere. Uh, if really? you've never been there, I would encourage you to go get it, find a, find a ticket for a game in Lambeau. It is an incredible experience. There are a few uh, more rabid fans than uh, we'll say uh, Packers, Chiefs, uh, Seahawks. Seahawks, and, uh, and the Steelers Browns, are- honestly. The Br- you know what? I respect the hell out of Browns fans because when they were 0-16. They still sold out that bitch. They still sold out first energy step. Like, Hold on. How do you- fuck, fuck you, Brad. We're going to throw that out there. I don't know who F- Brad. F-U-F-F bourbon guy on Twitter. <laughs> Another fantasy affarian. We're just going to throw that out there. If y'all are listening right now, just tweet. Tweet at FF bourbon guy. Just, just tweet, fuck you, Brad. Just tweet it at him. He won't know why it's happening, and it'll be fucking beautiful. Just it tweet it at him. A, I just want to see like 20 fuck you Brad tweets, and I will go in and I will like every single one of them. I'll retweet and, you. I'll drop you a I follow. And I will follow you. Yep, and I'll drop you a follow. Sorry, I derailed you, Kobe. No, you're good. You're good. It had to be said. But no, I respect the hell out of Browns fans because they sold out the stadium even when they were – when they won one game in two seasons, they had a fucking parade. <laughs> we'll see ever forget this. Quinn. They had a celebration parade for going 0 and 16. That Quinn is referred to as rock bottom. All right. And they still let's, sold out. Quinn, let's keep this moving. I think, let's, let's, let's get to the next quarterback. Cause this one may be just as lengthy as the last one. Yep. The Sean Watson drama. Kobe, what the hell is going on with Deshaun Watson? And how do you think that's going to impact him moving forward? So Adam Schefter uh, tweeted his his podcast that last Friday they recorded that Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach predicted he would be traded by that Sunday. That was two days ago. Regardless, um, he's not been traded yet, but he's going to get traded very soon. So the number one team that everyone's talking about is the Denver Broncos because they have an immediate quarterback need. They're kind of t- – signing Teddy Bridgewater proves they're giving up on Drew Locke. 
proves that uh, they do not have faith in that quarterback room. And quite honestly, if you have an opportunity to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater, who I, I think they overpaid for, um, and you can get Deshaun Watson, yeah, sure, the, the contract is massive. It's, what, 40 mil a year. But we're talking one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Some put him in the top three or four, you know, right behind uh, uh, Pat Mahomes and, of course, Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP, and, of course, Tom Brady, who many consider the GOAT. Because um, he is. I I honestly would disagree with you if it wasn't for him just winning a Super Bowl with a different coach. Man, I was one of those Tom Brady is a system quarterback. He's playing under the best coach of all time guys and then he went to bruce arians who isn't a bad coach but he's not bill belichick and he won a super bowl so now i'm just gonna shut my mouth on that subject that said the broncos i think is really the 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 number one option because they also have the type of uh uh talent that they can give back to houston uh and still be a viable option so have be a viable super bowl contender as as quinn was pointing out earlier you put deshaun watson in that uh, on that team with Cortland Sutton and company, and you have Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and you have a strong offensive line. I, I think Denver, like, I think the AFC West at that point becomes the toughest division of football because then you have three of the most electric offenses going head to head two times each. Yeah, so Broncos, so, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it would be a perfect fit. I agree with you. However, I still think they haven't given up on Drew Locke. I think bringing in Teddy Bridgewater is hedge, hedging their bet to see what Drew Locke can do. If he's, if, if they realize that this is it, like they, it, he, he's not going to improve at all. He's not going to stay healthy. Cause I really think the biggest problem last year was he just didn't stay healthy. He was putting up decent numbers. He's still a young quarterback. I think the Teddy Bridgewater thing was really just hedging their bet to make sure that they had somebody that they could, they could bring in off the bench and they're not starting a, a college quarterback slash NFL wide receiver at quarterback. Like they had to do last year. Um, here's the biggest issue with, with Deshaun Watson. You don't know what's going to happen with his legal issues. You just don't know. So is anybody going to be willing to pay? And I'm not talking from a dynasty perspective. I'm talking from, an NFL GM is anybody going to be willing to pay what the Texans think is fair market value for a guy that has those type of question marks around him. And He's this isn't settle on those cases. This isn't, this is this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to have a discussion about his legal issues. Um, you know, I've got my own opinions and, and I think that I think things got more serious this week when criminal charges were filed, when it was just civil, I think, that there was an opportunity for the, the Texans to somewhat turn a blind eye and use that as a negotiating tactic when trying to get the picks that they wanted or the players that they wanted from other teams. They could say, hey, look, nothing's in the court of law. It's all civil. You know, it's let it, let it work itself out. Now you've got the, the 10 criminal charges against him, two that haven't been filed in civil court. So you've got two additional, two additional women plus – you still got all the other ones that are sitting out there with their civil cases. There's just too many question marks. Uh, I mean, if I'm a GM, you know, sitting there in John Elway's seat, or who, I think he brought in a new GM, but again, he's the John Trevor Elway's Bauer seat. of the and of the NFL right now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's, that's another interesting topic. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about that in the future. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's just too many questions. There's, uh, if I'm a GM, I'm not paying for that guy because I don't know what he's going to be able to do throughout the entire 21, 21 season just because of the off-field issues. What do you think, Quinn? Yeah, and that, that is the question mark is will he play the whole season? And, and you know, you, you say, you know, what the Texans believe is fair market value. Has the Texans' belief on what is fair market value changed in the last couple of months? Is, is the fair market value different? Um, according to the Vegas odds, the most updated Vegas odds on him tra- being traded or what his trade odds are, the odds are plus 175. So there's no favorite as in a minus. There's no minus. But so the Texans are plus 175. And then the big three all tied at plus 400 are the Panthers, Bears, and Broncos. And then there's two teams at plus 800 at the Dolphins and 49ers. And then beyond that, we kind of get into some bullshit, plus 11, plus 14, plus two, three, and four, 5,000 that I don't, I don't even think it's worth having a discussion about. Like the plus 1,100 team is the Jets. They just drafted a quarterback second overall. They're not trading for Deshaun Watson. Let's slow down. Well, um, well that's, the same with, that's the same with the Niners that, yep, you, the, that you mentioned in there. Yeah, the Niners are there at plus 800. I don't think that's happening. Um, but like the Bears, the, you, the you Jack, mentioned the hold on, you mentioned the Bears too, and they just drafted a quarterback. So yeah, but they just drafted a quarterback that they seem very intent on not starting. So I'm yeah, but to to start the season, uh, I think I think we've talked about this before. We I know we've talked about this before. There's no way Justin Fields isn't a starter at some point this season. Yeah, and I and I do think that the two teams really worth talking about if he leaves Houston are the Panthers and Broncos. And, and part of the reason why I said I didn't want to talk Rodgers going to Denver from a me personally perspective is because that's where I think Deshaun Watson's going. I think the Broncos have the biggest hole at quarterback. I think Drew Locke is ass. I've watched that guy for a few years playing against the Chargers. We have not trotted out a good defense in the last couple seasons, and they still haven't been that good. Drew Locke's just – I wanted to believe in this man, but damn it, he's not good. And the fact that they brought in Teddy Two Gloves kind of proved that point to me because Teddy Two Gloves did not have a good season in Carolina either. So Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been as good as he once was ever since he got knocked the fuck out on a dirty hit. But I think think Watson's a Bronco. And if he's not a Bronco, I think he's a Texan. And if he goes to Denver, I love Deshaun Watson this year in fantasy. I think it's worth the buy. It's worth the the legal action risk, in my opinion. Because if he plays a full season in Denver, holy shit, he's going to be good. That's my thoughts on it. Well, first of all, I want to clarify it wasn't a dirty hit that got him. It was a practice drill and he just messed up his knee on the most. Oh, I'm random. talking about the concussion. Oh, I thought we were talking about the knee. He hasn't been the same since the knee issue. That too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, 
I'm kind of with you. I think there's there's two spots for him to land, and I think the overwhelming one in my mind is him staying in in uh, in Houston. I know this isn't quite the discussion topic. You know, I, I said Roger stays in 2022 at Green Bay. I understand. I just said uh, Watson stays in in Houston, but I think for I think for Watson, I just I don't think they're going to be able to get what they think that they can or think that they should for a talent of his level. I mean, nobody could question the guy. Kobe, you said earlier, you think he's a top four quarterback. I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, especially when you talk dynasty, you're talking dynasty. He might be top three. So, you know, the Sean Watson, nobody can question his, his talent. I just don't think that Houston can get what they want from him. So I think he's either forced to voluntarily sit out a year to try to force the, uh, the, the trade, or he's just got to bite the bullet and, and play out this season as long as he can until the legal issues come crashing down on him in Houston. I think that's how it's going to play out. What do you think, Kobe? I, so I don't think he's going to sit out to force the trade because both sides are very motivated to get him out of Houston. He doesn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there ever since DeAndre Hopkins was gone. Um, and they don't want him there now. Uh, they're going to have to settle for less than five, one and two, a combination of five, first and second round picks and starting talent. But I don't think they're going to settle for much less than that. Maybe two seconds and, and, and a viable uh, starting uh, defensive back and, and, and someone else. I don't know. I, I just don't think that they're going to have to take a huge discount. And also it, them asking for five is very clearly them asking for five to get three or four, you know, it's the t- uh, Donald Trump's the art of the deal. Ask more to get what you want. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the one thing with that is if you are a team that's got a solid, so, so let's take Denver, for example, you've got a solid core. They're going to be together for a couple years. Why are you pulling the trigger now with all the uncertainty vice waiting another year? and pulling the trigger for 2022. Like what makes you do it now with all the question marks hanging over his head? That's the thing for me. Like you never want to, you never want to bring somebody in that you don't know if you can rely on. The second factor with that is yeah, Houston may be willing to trade him, but who the hell do they have as a quarterback then on that frame? I mean, unless, unless they just decided F it, we're going to, go one and one and 16 or oh and 17 and suck it up and take the uh the number one overall pick they have nobody as a quarterback behind him so you're basically going to say if you're the houston texans i don't give a shit about this season i'm going to draft the best quarterback available next year i just Wait, don't see it we you're forgetting about punctured lung tie rod exactly i mean that that's no shit that would be your starting quarterback that's they would crazy but but that's, but are you are you crazy. winning more than five games with Deshaun Watson as your quarterback in Houston? The answer is no. So do you try and win five games, or do you accept that you'll win two, get the first or second overall pick, get a real first round top five pick, or do you play yourself just out of contention for those top players? And also, you have no capital to dra- to move up in the draft to get that number one or number two player that you really need in order to start rebuilding your franchise. Fact of the matter is that franchise is dead right now they don't have the core they have to rebuild the core get rid of Deshaun Watson because you're not winning more than five or six games with him 
I remind you though that that Tyrod Taylor took a mediocre Bills team to the playoffs. That dude has a strange ability. You, we wanted to talk about risk-averse quarterbacks earlier. Look at Tyrod. He doesn't ever do anything flashy. He doesn't ever do anything great, but he never does anything bad either. He is the he is exemplary mediocrity in the best way possible. That's what they, that's what Houston needs. I, I was going to say Tyrod probably wins six games in Houston this year if he starts. So, like, if you start Tyrod, so, so, you're still on, not on. a number one pick. Yeah, so so you say you start Tyrod, and then you yeah. win six games. What do you what are you saying they could win with Deshaun? You think they could really win eight games? Because I guarantee we all know that Deshaun Watson's an upgrade over Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I would say eight games with Deshaun because at the end of the day, Ooh, Deshaun's going to take more chances. And you know, like I think your your turnover ratio with Deshaun Watson is going to be higher. Because Tyrod, like traditionally through Tyrod's career, he just doesn't turn the football over. He will win the most boring game of all time. Look at, he only play, he only started one game for the Chargers. And look at that one game against Cincinnati. It was what, 16 to 13 and boring as fuck? Look at every game he started with Buffalo. Low scoring or even medium scoring, but close. He would pull out a win because they would win that turnover differential. Boring as fuck. Tyrod is not exciting to watch, but he'll win you football games. He won't win you a lot of football games, but he'll win you some games. So, go ahead. Who who are the eight teams that that the Texans are or or fine? Who are the six teams that they're theoretically beating with Tyrod Taylor? I'm pulling up their schedule right now. They I got it play, right here. They, they play in the AFC South, so you got you can say two against Jacksonville with we'll Trevor say, Lawrence and at the end though. I mean, it's still so we'll Jaguars, say bro. I, I we'll say they split against Jacksonville. All right, so there's one. They'll beat Carolina. There's two. I think that with Deshaun. Or, you know, no, we'll even say with Tyrod, they can beat the Patriots. That's three. They could beat Miami. That's four. No, they're not beating Miami. All right, fine. We'll say they're not beating Miami. There's the Jets on their schedule. That's four. I'll give you that. I guess four. We'll say they split with the Colts. That's five. I don't think they split with the Colts. Uh, Colts defense is... Carson Wentz defense is, is good. Be... Yeah, Carson but they play the they play the Colts on December fifth. Wentz is probably hurt by then. So I hope not. I'm a big I'm a big Wentz I'm a big Wentz believer for this. I year. love Carson Wentz. I I told I've said before that I believe in him in fantasy, but there's a decent chance he might be hurt by December fifth. Um, but so okay, yeah, and then they play the Jags, the Chargers, the Niners. They, I don't think they beat the Titans. I don't think they beat the Seahawks. So yeah. Looking at their schedule, maybe they beat the Patriots. Maybe they beat the Rams. I think both of those games could be 50-50. So I think they could either they win six. Then. I think, yeah, I think it's five to six. And that's and I'm saying that with Tyrod at quarterback. I think if Deshaun's at quarterback, they beat the Patriots and the Rams, and that's seven. 
All right. So I would, I would put the over under at four and a half with Tyrod. I'd put the over under at five and a half with, with Deshaun. That's fair. So but that's the thing. It's, it's not one way or the other. This team sucks. Yeah. And that's not that big of a downstep. If you can ship out your quarterback and get a first round pick out of it, do it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I, I just, again, as a buying general manager on a team that thinks they can contend now, what is the upside to doing it this year? That's what I keep going back to. What is the upside with all of the question marks for the off field stuff? Because if he gets arrested for sexual harassment or sexual assault, at least you get something out of him versus being him being out of the league and being in a Michael Vick situation with the Falcons. I said, no, I said, I said, if you're a buying general manager, not the selling, the buying. Because maybe you get side buying. If if you, it's, it's the gamble of if he stays, if, if it's a straight gamble, but if you can get him, and, and the Texans know it's going to be a gamble to get him. So I don't think the Texans are looking for the two first-round picks they were looking for, you know, back in March. I think now the Texans would be happy with a first-round pick if they could even get that. Yep. But let's say you can get him for a two and a three, or maybe a two and a two next year. I'd be willing to do that if I'm Denver on the gamble that he does get out of his legal issues because if Deshaun Watson gets out of his legal issues and you got him for two seconds, one this year, one next year, and he's on your team for 17 games, you're not only a playoff contender, the Broncos are a Super Bowl contender with Deshaun Watson for 17 games. Yeah. See, I would, I would agree hundred percent with that. I just, it's don't worth think, the gamble in my, I opinion. don't, I don't think you're going to see the Houston Texans settle for a second round pick. I wouldn't, he's locked into a long-term contract. I just, I, I can't see it. Hey, so, so I, I want to kind of summarize all of this quarterback talk with, with Aaron Rodgers and, and Deshaun Watson. Let's look at it from a, a fantasy perspective and let's, let's kind of talk short-term and long-term, you know, where do you see a Deshaun Watson on your quarterback board right now, you know, going into 2021, this is all dynasty talk. So 2021, are you trading for him? Do you see him being in a top five quarterback? And then long-term, do you see Deshaun Watson being a top three quarterback again? You know, where, where do you guys have him? I'm selling Deshaun right now. I'm just too scared about the legal stuff. And right now, what's interesting is that legal stuff kind of seems to be getting pushed to the back burner by trade talks. So I might be trying to take advantage of the fact that that legal stuff is being pushed on the back burner right now and trying to move them as fast as I can before – all that ramps back up again and his trade value will fall back down because of that. Yeah. I, I, so I, I think from what, what you just said, I mean, the only people that you can trade him to are teams that already have a quarterback or in a super flex two quarterbacks. And he would be their third because they can't count on him yep. going into the 2021 season. I mean, think about that. That's a hell of a, it's a hell of a trade. I don't know how many teams are actually going to be, or how many, fantasy players are going to be willing to do that. Yeah. Like in, in my dynasty league, the two super in my super flex dynasty league, I have Herbert and Wentz. I would be willing to make a move for Deshaun Watson, even if I only get four, five games out of them and I win those five games and then go back to Wentz. Like I'd be willing to do that, but 
not everyone's in the position where they have a guy like Herbert and Carson Wentz. What are you giving up for him? I mean, you're giving up a first. Probably not. I'd probably go for a second and because I got some, I got some extra depth. Like I got some guys that could probably be a wide receiver too on my bench right now in that league. And I'd probably be willing to move one of them. Like I could do like with my team that I have, I could probably move like Devonte Parker and a second and be all right. And I'd be willing to do that. Even if I only get five games out of Deshaun, because that, because the team I have is in win now do not trade for Deshaun Watson, unless you're trying to win a championship this year. That's right. You think he's back to a, to a, a top four or five quarterback again in the future? If he doesn't go to jail for like five years, yeah. All right. What do you think, Kobe? I It just kind of depends, you know. Uh, um, before this week, everything was pointing towards he was going to settle. Now there's criminal charges. That's scary. You know, I to, to try and trade for him – I would be trying to get him off of my team if you were on my team. And, and and I would be trying to stay away from him unless someone was like, hey, how about a second in your bench receiver? Eh, probably get away with that, you know, depending on who my what my quarterbacks look like. Because, again, if you're getting four or five games out of him, uh, you're going to win those four or five games because he's going to put up those kind of numbers especially if he goes to Denver and, and, and has that opportunity. But, and there's also the chance that he just settles and, and is not guilty, but, you know, forget the, the, the actual speculation on the actual uh, uh, litigation there. At the end of the day, you, you have to make that gamble. And it's just like any other, any gambling you do, whether it's a fantasy football or, or what's the money line on, on this particular game in week one, you know, uh, is it worth the risk to you? And if you think he's going to fall off of those charges, go for it. If you think he's going to prison, stay the hell away from him. Yeah. So, so even not even thinking about the, the prison aspect, you know, what happened to Adrian Peterson when he got the, the child abuse charge, he missed eight games, right? Yeah. And that was, that was a one-time incident and you know it's he told the kid to go get a switch right and he and he hit the kid with a switch and he he missed eight games this is much more severe than that and adrian peterson missed eight games you know i think they're letting the nfl is letting everything play out but this isn't the court of law when it comes to the nfl at all in any way this is this is an employer employee relationship and they can suspend somebody based on misconduct, whether there's criminal malfeasance or not. So, you know, I, I don't think he's getting away with anything less than a half, half a year suspension. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the day, regardless of what happened in the litigation, he misses an entire season. That's just, that's, that's my, my feeling on it. So I'd be careful of Deshaun, um, you know, for somebody like me, who's in a rebuilding in a couple of my leagues, you know, I'll, I'll look to, to possibly buy him and uh and stash him on the bench because i don't think he's going to be playing an entire season and i think he's going to miss someone next year as well uh 
uh, I, I agree with you there that there's probably going to be some sort of suspension, but we'll see on that. You know, it's all of that is speculation. We have no idea what's going to come out of that. Um, well, we got some precedents, but we got some precedents. Like I just said, with, with Adrian Peterson, I think everybody kind of realizes that while they're not apples to apples in terms of the offense that was, that was made, there is still some precedents for what Adrian Peterson did, domestic violence type stuff with, you know, sexual assault, domestic type stuff with, with, with Deshaun Watson. And I think Deshaun Watson, especially with the numbers of people that have come forward, rises to a much higher level. And well, again, yeah, that's what I'm saying. if we're going to liken those, I mean, if we're talking half a season for hitting a kid with a switch, which by the way, I think if my dad missed eight weeks, uh, every time he hit me with a switch, he might still be out of work. And I'm 20 <laughs> like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, if we're likening those two, uh, when you look at it that way, Watson is missing a very significant amount of time uh, in the NFL. And by very significant amount of time, it could be indefinite. Like in the case of, of Ray Rice punching his wife in the elevator. That's right. Yeah, that's what, that's what concerns me with them. Which, right, by Quinn, the way, they're, happy, they're still happily married. Yes, they are. I was going to say, uh, speaking of dads and criminal violence charges, me and my father one year for Christmas – uh, we we sat down at a dinner table and theorized about a uh, Christmas ornament series of professional athletes that have gotten in legal trouble, and so we thought about having like a cuckoo clock ornament that was Ray Rice and his and his fiance at the time in an elevator, and you'd hit the button and it would be Ray Rice. It would be a punching sound and his wife would come out the elevator. <laughs> and then no, we not, had um, that's that's not great. That's, that's we had not um, great. We thought they could like collab with Star Wars and you could have Latrell Sprewell force choking his coach. Nice. Yeah, yeah you know, you could shit. have uh you could have Deshaun Watson get a deep tissue massage. And like it's just Wow. <laughs> well, and it those stories, like the women that come out with the stories, like some of these stories are crazy, and it's crazy. All right, Quinn, what else? What else we got on the docket for today? Yeah, so we're gonna try to move things along a bit here. We're gonna go rapid fire here with this next one, and it's pretty simple. Daryl Henderson, is he an RB one in fantasy? Assuming he is the number one back in in Los Angeles with the Rams with the injury situation going on is he RB1 in fantasy as an RB1 in LA with the Rams Sammy go no no I, I could see him being anywhere between 15 and 20 I don't see him being a uh, being an RB1 in that top 12 Kobe it depends on who they sign. If they don't sign anybody. That's the assumption. They don't sign anybody. Daryl Henderson's the guy. Okay. Um, well, then he's going to be one of six or seven uh, workhorse backs. You got to think the only, like from a fantasy perspective, if he's the workhorse back, he's getting 20 plus touches a game. And if he's getting three to four yards, uh, a carry and, and five to six yards of a reception, you know, he's going to have, decent yardage and he's probably going to get in the end zone because running backs tend to get a lot of red zone touches 
you got to think the only workhorse backs in the league right now, it's less than a quarter of the league. You got Alvin Kamara, you've got uh, Christian McCaffrey, you've got uh, Derrick Henry, probably Najee Harris. He's a rookie, but we'll see. Um, Saquon. Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley. So that's your six. And then Daryl Henderson is likely to be number seven on that list. So in the sense of, is he the best running back in the NFL? No. And he's not going to be expected to be, but from a fantasy perspective, he's going to be a cheap free agent or a cheap trade that you can get. um, If you get him and you're, you know, worst case, he's getting 15 to 20 touches a game. Best case, he's probably getting close to 30, depending on what Stafford does with the Rams. Yeah, so what I will say, right now, ADP in redraft leagues, he's a fourth-round draft pick. I'm right kind of with Sammy. I think he's a very high-end RB2. I have him between 13 and 15, personally. So, yeah, he's, he's going to be good this year. He's going to be a good back for you. Cause like Kobe said, I do think he gets 15 to 20 touches. It's just the ability of the running back, but he's only 23. And if he proves himself, maybe he doesn't stay in LA, but he wins a job elsewhere. I'm, I'm buying on Daryl Henderson right now, not just for this season with acres out, but long-term, I think he's, a, I think he's a good addition. Yeah. So the, the one, the, the one caveat that I would, kind of challenge you guys with <clears throat> is if you look last year, everybody assumed Cam Akers would be the go-to back and kind of Daryl Henderson. Yeah. He was there the year before, but kind of an unknown quantity and they went RB committee until the end of the season when Cam Akers took the majority of the carries. Could you see the same type of thing with Daryl Henderson? Yeah, absolutely. He was in a running back by committee last year. So, you know, it doesn't really matter who they've got on the bench. I could see them, I could see them working a second or in this case, a third, because Cam Akers would be one, a third back or a fourth back into the rotation just to kind of mix things up like they did last year. Just to put it out there. I don't remember his first name. I know his last name is Funk. I like this guy. His name is Funk. That's all I got. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about him. His name is Funk. Good brewery. (laughs) It's a good beer. Good running back. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, I could, I could see whoever they're, they're bringing in off the bench being pretty solid. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I, I'm a buy on Daryl Henderson right now. Just keep your eyes open for news if it looks like the Rams are looking to bring in somebody else and it's going to turn into a committee system. I'm nowhere near as high on him. I think right now it's not. It winds up being one. You know, watch for that. I don't think it's going to be the fact that Sean McVay just said that Daryl Henderson will not play a snap during the preseason tells me he is full sold. We're not bringing in a running back. This guy is my RB one and I'm running with him. That I think was the biggest seller to me is the fact that McVay said he is not going to touch the field in the preseason. We're saving him. There's still a big name uh, running back that's available. Le'Veon Bell. I mean, a big name if we're talking five years ago, yeah. I Look, man, I think he's just looking for the right system because he left the right system. He left a system built around him to go play for the Jets. Yeah, no, Le'Veon's coach comments also don't help him from leaving the Chiefs. That's right. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a bad look. You got quite a few running backs who have done some things in the past that are that are available out there in the free agent market. Devontae Freeman's on the one bright too. side. He's got that he's got that marvelous rap career ahead of him. Yeah, um, yeah. Bell Bell doesn't have the greatest track record with his bullshit with the Saints and now the shit that he the shit he pulled with the Jets and then the shit he pulled with the Chiefs. Like there is not a good track record there. There's a reason teams are afraid to touch him. But so let's Did get away the Saints? from Saints. Hold on. Did you say the Saints? The Jets and Chiefs. Oh, okay. I thought you said the Saints. Ooh, my bad. He did, but he corrected himself. But it's, a, oh, okay, it's a, okay. We gave him. But yeah, let's uh, let's get away from the world of football now. We've talked quite a bit of football. We just had two other major American sports that just finished their playoffs. Kind of recap them a little bit. We'll go first with the NHL playoffs. Uh, Sammy, your team won the whole thing. We'll let you lead it off. Back you got to, to back. Say? Back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I talked to Quinn at uh, some point during our little hiatus we've had here in the last two weeks. Or I'm sorry, two months. And, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was all set to go down to Tampa. I was going to go watch game two of the Stanley Cup finals. And uh, I had a, I have a friend of mine that I grew up with in Tampa. His mom's a season ticket holder for, uh, for 15 years. And – tickets fell through and she was not able to get us a ticket to, to game two. Uh, damn. That still, still breaks my heart, but watching my Tampa Bay lightning lift the cup at home. It was awesome. I, I actually, I was disappointed. After full game, stadium. I was disappointed after game four uh, when they lost, I wanted to sweep, but the silver lining was they got to, to win the cup in five at home in front of a sold out Amelie arena. Dude, that was awesome. I got chills right now talking about it. Just absolutely incredible. Steven Stamkos got to play an entire playoffs, unlike he did last year. Got to lift the cup as the the captain. It was just un, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think uh, my thoughts on the play, I mean, you know, obviously I'm a Penguins fan. Disappointed with our performance, but Penguins traditionally cannot beat Barry Trotz. So, yeah, I saw us draw the Islanders, and I was not looking forward to that series. Um, the West was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't see Montreal being the team that came out of the West. I thought it was going to be either Vegas. Actually, Edmonton. Not, yeah, I, I thought Edmonton would do more than they did. They were surprisingly quiet to me. Yep. I thought also, I thought the winner of the Vegas Colorado series would win the whole cup. I liked both of those teams. Um, but, you know, Montreal, like, you know, we've always said a good goalie can steal a series. Well, Carey Price damn near stole the whole Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, all props to Montreal. You look at that team on paper. they Garbage. I mean, yeah, garbage. You look at that team in the regular season. Garbage. So props to them all the way to even make it to the finals. They wound up, you know, finally being outclassed to a point they couldn't recover. And, you know, the East – kind of went exactly how I thought it was. I thought it would, I thought Boston would beat New York, but outside of that, I even had, I had Tampa in the finals over Boston, but outside of that, I had every series. Um, yeah. As also one of my favorite things of, you know, this, uh, this Stanley cup playoff whole thing was the lightning Florida Panthers series in the first round. That was the first time in NHL history. We've had a playoff series between two teams in Florida. Just a fun little fact. 
Yeah, and it was a fun series to watch. It was. The, that series was so, violent. So, so yeah, it was. There was a lot of hits. The uh, I, I'll tell you. So you said the best thing you saw during the the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll tell you the best thing I saw was Alex Kalorn in Game One or Two. I don't remember what it was of the Stanley Cup Finals. He blocks a a Shea Weber. I think it was Shea Weber. Uh, slap shot. And if you don't know Shea Weber, dude's got like know a 170 mile an hour slap shot i exaggerate a little bit but either way it's it's heavy as hell and he blocks it with his heel and he gives to the gives to the bench sits there comes back out for a couple more shifts is in the third period and he doesn't play for the rest of the series you find out afterwards he had broken a bone in his leg not as not not like chipped an, an ankle bone or anything i think he broke his fibula and they put a rod in there and he was going to play. If it went to a game six, he was already going to come back in the same series, sat out three games and was going to come back out and play. You could never doubt the toughness of a hockey player. And I mean, it was unbelievable. That guy was going to come back out. <clears throat> One of the coolest things I wish for just for his sake, I almost wish I'd gone to a game six, but I was happy to only survive. Yeah, so that's Sammy's favorite moment of the playoffs. Kobe, what is your Stanley Cup playoff top moment? Top moment. That's uh... oh, the, the the horn in the background must be it's a goal. The, goal hard. There's a train. There's a train like half a mile from my house. It's like insanely far away, but it's right on the river. But uh, best moment of the playoffs was what? Honestly, was watching fans. Uh, get back into the into the stadiums, you know, because pretty much for the entire regular season, we we're watching empty stadiums, or we we're watching like people in little pods. Like the the Carolina Nashville series, especially. First of all, two of the most rabid fan bases in hockey, but the stadiums were at eighty percent capacity by the end of the of that series. Um. And they were as loud as if they were 100% capacity. And it, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, but they were as loud as if they were 100%. And it was good to see. It, it, it was that return. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Kobe, Kobe. I'm still going. <laughs> Kobe. Hold on, Kobe. That train is telling you you're completely incorrect. The moment that you should have said was Barkley Goudreau scoring with 0.1 seconds on the clock in the second period of game seven against the damn Islanders. That's what it's trying to tell you because that should have been the moment with the horn going off in the background. Well, another, and, and probably this is my second favorite moment was uh, the Canadians coming in with, within minutes of the record for the longest uh, amount of time, never trailing in a playoff series, their own record, mind you. Their own record, yes. So some, what, th four, like 380-some minutes or something like that is the record, which um, for those of you doing math at home, that is six full hockey games, another period. period. Yeah, and then a little bit of change to start that next period. That is six full hockey games that they never trailed. So yep. that's, and that was coming on the brink of being swept by uh, 
a team right before that. The Leafs that were about to the Leafs that uh, were yes, play. the Leafs, the team that's incapable of winning a series. That's right. They really it's, are. It, They're allergic to it or something. Who so let's look at other sports for a second. Who are the Leafs of the, of the other uh, top sports? Your top regular season team pretty much every year, and they just they just can't finish. Ooh, Packers. Uh, I would have gone more Colts. I could see the Colts too, yeah. But I think the fact that the Packers have had Favre and Rodgers – as their back-to-back quarterbacks and have only gotten two Super Bowls out of that, I lean Packers. Because, like, when I think Leafs, I think of the fact that they have three of the top five highest-paid players in hockey and can't win a playoff series. Well, it's not that they can't win it. They were up 3-1 and somehow gave it up. Against the worst team in the playoffs. That's right, they were. No, not objectively. By record, the worst team in the playoffs. 16th best record in the entire NHL in the regular season. Pretty much every stat line points to the Canadians being the 16th best team to make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 16. Yep. So, but, but that again, back back to your point, a a goalie can steal the series. So it's important to note that the top, the, the, the two teams that were in the final had arguably the top two goalies left in the playoffs. I would say, the top two goalies in the playoffs were the two teams in the finals. Yeah. So uh, you, you said something that they were outclassed to a point that they couldn't recover. They were outclassed to a point that they couldn't recover in every series they played. The problem with the, uh, the, the lightning is that Vasilevsky was making the same stupid stand on your head, break dance in the crease saves that uh, uh, Carey Price was making. And well, that was the, that was part of the outclass. Yeah, that's just the only real advantage you had. You didn't have was negated. Yep. Yep. And, and I'll tell you what the, the Canadians did everything they could. If if you look at the the numbers that the number one line for the Lightning put up, I mean, point came into the Braden Point, the center, starting center, or the the top line center, who now the holds the record for most consecutive goals in playoff history. Seconds. He's second. No, he broke the record. No, he's still second. He had nine straight. Uh, no, because the record was eight, held by Mario Lemieux twice. We can talk about this off air, but it doesn't matter. Braden Point was either the record setter, which I don't think, or second for the most consecutive game scored with a with a Stanley Cup goal or Stanley Cup playoff goal. And I think he got one in the Stanley Cup finals. They put their their third line. Uh, the Canadians did put their, their checking line up against the top line for the lightning. And they did a damn good job. It was, it was everybody else. It was, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit. And you kind of broke the news with Tyler Johnson, the fourth line center for the lightning getting traded. It was the depth of that squad that really carried them. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Barkley, you earlier, uh, you know, that's a, a third liner for the lightning getting a game winning goal. You got Ross Colton, on the other side, another winger, and Yanni Gord, who got uh, got drafted by the Seattle Kraken. Um, you know, that line really carried them and, and really – they won, they won the series for them just with their all-out energy, their goals at timely moments, because the first line was basically neutralized by that third line of the uh, 
of the Canadians. It was the other three lines of the Canadians that couldn't do a damn thing against the Lightning. It was a, uh, it, it really was just getting outclassed. I mean, uh, as you were talking earlier, Quinn, that that was the word that came to mind. But the Lightning were just too good, man, too good. And especially when you talk about some of the guys that they got on the blue line with Victor Hedman, Jan Ruda, um, McDonough, Ryan McDonough. I mean, they they're they're fantastic to watch. That blue line is 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 really fun. They play a great system where they pinch down. It's like high, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> high energy hockey the entire time, where you got their defenders down there in the in the corners scrapping for pucks, and uh, in other times you got odd man rushes with with two defensemen going on going in against Carey Price. I mean, it's it's fun to watch. It really is. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, Ryan McDonough, and that leads me right into my favorite moment of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and. Part of this, part of this being my favorite moment is so I was back home with my family and uh, me and my dad are both big hockey fans. And we had like the audio of the Islanders lightning game playing in the background as we were actually, we were changing the brakes on my car. And it was even strength hockey solely because of the fact the Lightning had their goalie pulled. And you mentioned Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough gets the – and so, like, I looked at my phone with, like, 30 seconds left in the game, and I saw that the Lightning had possession in the offensive zone, and I stopped my dad from changing the brakes on the car because I was like, hang on, the Lightning have the puck with 30 seconds left down one. This might be worth watching. And me and my dad start watching my phone. And – we're sitting there watching the phone. Brian McDonough gets the puck with like two seconds left, puts on, faints a shot, puts on a nasty spin move, takes this shot, completely decimates Simeon Varlamov, and sliding across the net with like 0.2 seconds left is Ryan Pollock with one of the greatest defenseman saves I've ever seen in my entire life. And me and my dad just kind of sat there with our jaws hanging open for like 30 to 40 seconds like that's one of if you haven't looked it up just look up ryan pullock game-winning save and i promise you'll find it it's c-u-l-o-c-h yeah you could also like literally what i googled because i had honestly forgotten the man's name i typed in islanders game-winning save by defenseman you will find it yeah it is slides across the crease it's unbelievable it's an open goal I mean, it's the lightning are tying this up and all of a sudden he just comes out of nowhere. I was the same as you. And uh, you know, it hurt more for me cause I'm a lightning fan. I was like, are you shitting me? But it's one of those where you just gotta, you gotta respect your, the play. You, you clap your hands and you walk away and you say, man, that was unbelievable. He just came out of nowhere and saved the, the game. And potentially at that point, the series for the Islanders. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And that that's my favorite moment from the playoffs. Cause you don't see that in the regular season. You just know that sums up that 30 second span sums up playoff hockey. That just pure desperation save moment where your goalie's out of position and you've got to lay out and make the play for your team. And that summarizes it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was a, it was a fantastic play. All right, Quinn, what do we got for NBA playoffs, buddy? Yep. We're going to get into the other 
major sport that just had their playoffs wrap up, the NBA playoffs. Milwaukee Bucks win the championship. Giannis finally gets his. Sammy, overall thoughts on the NBA playoffs this year? They were fun as hell to watch. Um, Usually I split my time probably 70-30 watching NHL and uh, and NBA Uh, this year. It was a little closer because the uh, the NHL playoffs were so were so good, but even still, the uh, man, every series was was fun to watch in the in the playoffs. I mean, even go back to looking at the Clippers go down two nothing to the uh, to the Mavericks in the in the uh, uh, opening round of the Western Conference, and you know they come back and win it. They did it again in their next series against the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, it's just. It's unbelievable. Then you see something like that happen. Uh, Phoenix goes up two nothing against the Bucks, and uh, the Bucks come back and win it, man. And Giannis had one of those all-time great performances in a in a clinching game. Fifty points. What do you have? Fourteen rebounds, five blocks. His blocks were all timely. Um, and he started the game off with one, just one that went off the backboard that was unbelievable. And he just set the tone for the entire game. And you think about it, they scored 104 points. He scored 50 of them. Everybody complains about Giannis and, and saying, hey, man, just shot selection. Stop pulling up and hitting threes or, or shooting threes because he's not hitting them. And uh, Giannis said, screw this. I'm going to take this game over. Nobody can defend me. I'm bigger. I'm more athletic than everybody else. And I'm going to get to the rim. And he did it, man. It was it was a fun series to watch. Definitely a fun series to watch in the finals and the entire playoffs were good. Did you watch him, Kobe? I watched a good bit of it, and and one thing that came out of it was uh, the one block in recent NBA playoff history that could rival uh, LeBron James's chase down against the Warriors when he was with Cleveland. Um, on a, I think it was uh, Draymond. Was it Draymond that that went up for it and he just absolutely sent it away, or was it Iguodala? Uh, that LeBron James did, but. Uh, Regardless, Giannis jumps up in front of, I think, Crowder and just sends it away. And it's an open dunk. Uh, and it, it's such a difficult play because Giannis is coming off of a switch from across the other side of the paint, steps up in front of it and just says, I am bigger than you. I am more athletic than you. I am better than you. Sit down, son. And yeah, it so, so, so it, was, it was DeAndre Ayton. So even worse than Crowder, it was a guy that's seven foot, seven one that can jump. So yeah, it wasn't even six foot eight Crowder. It was it was a damn seven footer that he did it to. It was an NBA center. Yeah, and it was DeAndre Eight who next year is going to be an All Star. Yeah. So the the thing that was funny about that, I saw it. I, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. I, I obviously watched the game too, but somebody said Giannis covered both the alley and the oop, and I just kind of chuckled at it and he didn't think anything of it. And then I went back and watched, and he really did. He stepped up. So he did exactly what he's supposed to help side defense. He, he steps up to about mid or uh, the free throw line steps up, stops Chris Paul or Devin Booker, whoever it was stops him. So he plays, uh, he's playing the alley. They throw the, they throw the pass. And Giannis said he didn't even care about where Deandre Ayton was. He just tracked the flight of the ball and he tried to get it at its highest point and block it. I mean, that's one of those where, and, and Giannis even said it, he's like, I didn't know if I was going to get dunked on or if I was going to get the ball. I was just trying to get up and touch the ball. And these two dudes are, you know, 12 feet in the air, two feet above the rim. And, and they're meeting 
meeting that high. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable play to stop the drive, turn around, stop the, stop the dunk. Just, yeah. It, like he you pretty said, much took all of the energy out of the suns at that point. At that point, yep. that Giannis is, it, it wasn't even the Bucks series and it was in, in, uh, it was the whole Bucks team that really stepped up for those for games three through five. But Giannis in game six was like, Nope, I'm winning a championship. It's, it's my time. Let's go. And, and it was that moment that really solidified who the champion was going to be, who the MVP was going to be, who was taking home Larry O'Brien, who was taking home the, the, uh, the Bill Russell MVP, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. It, it, it that there, there, we always talk about, you know, that moment in, in the series in, in or in the game or, or whatever, that was the moment that everyone just sat back and accepted that Milwaukee was bringing home a championship. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to go over real quick is the rareness of the company that Giannis entered by dropping 50 points in an NBA finals game. There are only five other players that have ever done it. And just listen to these names. You got Bob Pettit. You have LeBron James. You have Jerry West. You have Rick Barry, Michael Jordan, and Elgin Baylor. That is insanely high company to be holding as the only players with 50 point games, like to understand the, 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 the closest player to a 50 point game that didn't hit it is Allen Iverson in Oh one. Well, and, and that's Allen Iverson's not on that list. Think of the other names that aren't on that Steph list. Steph Curry, Steph Curry's best finals game was 47 points. Kobe Bryant wasn't mm-hmm. on that. List. Uh, Shaq wasn't on that list. Uh, Kareem, Magic, there's just so many. Larry Bird. Larry yep. Bird. So many people that were considered the greatest of, of their time or one of the greatest of their time that just aren't on that list. How about Kevin Durant that's been in a couple final series and, and never took over like that? You know what I mean? That's just the the ability he had to just control the game. Yeah, that's not just being the best on your team. That's being so far and away the best player on the court. Like, understand, in that game that Giannis scored 50, his team scored 105. He accounted for almost half of the points his team scored in the entire game. And he can't shoot. (laughs) Exactly. Like, in every other game, in every other game that a player is scoring 50, their team's scoring like 120. Okay, in Jordan's 55-point game, they scored 110. And in Elgin Baylor's 61-point game, which is number one in finals history in 62, his team scored 126. But like as a whole, these other games, their teams are scoring like 130, and they're scoring right around 50 points. There aren't too many examples of a player scoring half of their team team's points in the NBA Finals. Well, and Quinn, you're so so you're, you're and he had 14 you're, boards you're, and five blocks too. So that's the other point that I was going to mention: the 14 boards and the five blocks, which I think were more important than the boards, just set the tone for everything. You know, the, nobody could do anything going to the basket because they were worried about Giannis coming out of nowhere and blocking a shot. 
And like I said, his blocks were all timely. You know, there's one against Devin Booker with four minutes left. Devin Booker hits this runner nine times out of 10 and he goes down the lane and he goes to pull up and Giannis steps over and just blocks the shit out of it. And it was, it was plays like that, that won them that NBA finals. It was the blocks and the rebounds, not just the points that make it that on. I mean, it was, it was an incredible performance. It really was. So here's, here's a stat for you that I just saw. Giannis is the only player with 40 points, 40 plus points, 10 plus rebounds and five plus blocks, not in a finals, but any playoff game since Shaquille O'Neal in 01. Yeah. 20 years. That's 20 years. That was impressive. Like if you watched that game and say the Bucks didn't deserve that finals, watch a different sport. It wasn't that the Bucks didn't deserve that series. But Giannis damn, damn did. It was that everybody wanted Chris Paul to finally have it because Giannis is only 26. Oh, I was rooting for the Suns all the way. But you watch that game and you're like, God damn it, he earned it. Yeah. So so we did it with the NHL. What's what's your favorite uh, moment of the NBA playoffs, Quinn? Oh, God, it might be that Giannis block. Because, I mean, like, I – that the second I saw that Giannis block, it reminded me of that LeBron block that won them that series against the against the Warriors. Which, like when that LeBron block happened, like my heart felt whole because I was so happy to watch Golden State lose. And while it hurt my heart in this situation that I was going to watch Chris Paul fall short yet again, the second I saw that block, I was like, "Damn it, he earned this championship. He's giving it." every last inch to win this championship that's i i agree with you there uh sammy what's your favorite moment from the nba playoffs yeah so i think what quinn said is probably the most iconic my favorite though uh also involved deandre ayton and it was i think game seven against the uh the clippers and they had an inbounds pass with i think it was under a second left Uh, underneath the underneath the basket and called a timeout monty williams drew up a play to throw an alley-oop to uh to deandre ayton and little known uh little known rule that you can offensively goaltend on an inbounds pass and they basically uh jay crowder was taking the ball out of bounds underneath the basket oh way over in the corner so we had an angle throws it right above the basket ayton goes up there dunks it it would have been offensive goaltending any other time um, but because there's no, uh, no goaltending on an inbounds play, count it game over. It was, uh, that, that was a great moment to watch. Cause it's like, man, that dude just out coached the other coach. Yep. Like, there's no question about it. Uh, he, he knew what the rules were. And again, it's kind of one of those little known things that, uh, people don't realize. And he took full advantage of it. Knowing he had a more athletic center on the, on the court than the Clippers did. That was that was cool to watch that whole all of that play out. So that, that, that both of those are great. My favorite moment though for for the series or for the playoffs was uh, the birth of a new supervillain in the in the NBA, and that that's in Trey Young 
when you know the New York Knicks fans are literally chanting, chanting "fuck Trey Young," and he hits a deep three, crowd goes silent. He turns around, says, "It's quiet as fuck in here," and just ha- just the whole time he's getting spit on in that series. He's getting yelled at. He's getting cussed at. He's getting screamed at. Everything, and he just had this ice cold. Uh, demeanor to him that uh, to me that that villain mentality that forget everyone else I'm gonna win at all costs I'm the guy I I don't know I like that a lot yeah in my opinion you couldn't have watched that series as not a Knicks fan and not come out of it being a fan of Trey Young like Harden was my favorite player in the league before that Trey Young series that 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 Knicks Hawks series, and I think it might be Trey Young now. Yeah, like so my, I'm a I'm a Wizards only, fan, so I'm always going to be a Bradley Beal guy. But I do like watching Trey Young play. My only issue with Trey Young is the fact that he's going four of twenty two, you know, five of seventeen. He's, you know, he, he's not Reggie Miller. He's got that persona that Reggie had back in the day but he doesn't have the ability that Reggie had. Plus he's got shitty hair, man. Come on, bro. Somebody needs to to talk to him and be like, yo, bro, just just shave that shit. You're going bald, man. I understand you're 22, but just, just admit it and just go with it. That's more my wife talking than me. She hates LeBron made a career of going bald. Yeah. Kevin Durant's doing it right now too. Mm -hmm. But no, that, that, but, but back to my original point, you know, just the, yeah, I like the shit talking and I like the, I like the back and forth with the crowd. It reminds me of Reggie Miller back when I was a kid in the nineties, but yes, you still can't go four of 22 and talk shit like that. Like that just hits me the wrong way, I guess. Well, I'm legit looking up. Yeah. So like that, that's on career. I wanted this season, whatever. On Trey Young's career, he's shooting 431 from the field. That ain't great. You're hitting 43% of your shots as a, like, I mean, as a center, that'd be considered solid. No, it wouldn't. You got to shoot 50, man. Come on. You got to be closer to 50. I mean, you want to you wanna be 50, 40, 90 club, but if you're shooting, but also how many players in NBA history have been 50, 40, 90 club? You know, like if you're shooting 431 and you're shooting a lot of threes. Well, here, I'm, here. I'm okay this with is, that. So hold on. This is how you shut my, my argument up. So you, you're stat boy right now. Look up, yep. uh, look up Reggie Miller's numbers. Well, I'll give you Kobe Bryant's while he's looking that up. All right. Well, Trey I know Kobe's shooting, a great shooter. Trey Young Kobe, is shooting 343 from three. Kobe Bryant shot 447 from the floor. So, I mean – one percent better. Reggie Miller shot four seventy one from the field. And what about from three? You got that on there? I can pull it up real quick. Three ninety five. Yeah, forty percent so, shooter. Close three. to Trey Young. Very similar numbers. Mm. You're not going to shut up my argument with those. But I do like Trey. I will, I will not dispute. I do like him. He's an entertainer. He's fun to watch. 
that those Hawks teams are going to be good for a while as long as they can re-sign John Collins as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't forget about the red bandit, Kevin Herter. <laughs> nah, man, got no, got no soul, bro. You're now on podcast with a ginger, so caution. Nah, it, it's nah, not he's right. Stop. We don't have souls. Yep. <laughs> All right, what else we got on deck? Yeah, so I think that that almost summarizes us. We got one more thing we want to talk about. The newest team in hockey, the Seattle Kraken. What do we think they're going to do this year? And I will I will very quickly run through all of the names on this roster. Uh, don't even nobody's going to nobody's going to remember this shit. Okay, I will run through the major names on there this you roster. Go. There you go. And both of y'all tell me if you think this is a playoff team or not, as it currently stands. And then if you think they will will be a playoff team, understanding the fact they have $30 million in cap room with the upcoming free agency. So right now, major names on this roster. We got Morgan Geeky, Yanni Gord, Cal Yonkroc, Jared McCann, Brandon Tanev, Jonas Donskoy, Jordan Everlay, uh, Hayden Fleury, Mark Giordano, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, and Chris Dreiger as the goalie. That's what I would say would be the major names that most hockey fans have heard of. Like your casual hockey fans probably recognize all of those names. And there are some smaller names here that I would say your more hardcore hockey fans would recognize like Colin Blackwell, Mason Appleton. That they're, they're, you know, it's a decent roster. Being an expansion team, it's a decent roster. Is this roster a playoff team right now? Sammy and Kobe go. Sammy first. I'll say no. Uh, Kobe. Uh, I, okay. I was gonna say I would say their ceiling is a seven or eight seed. But that's, uh, if I was a betting man now, I'd say no, no, they're not. Kobe, is this exact roster, is this Seattle Kraken roster as is right now a playoff team? Not even close. Now, they got $30 I, million dollars to spend. I, I'm, I'm with both of y'all. Yeah. You said right, you said right now, you said right now. Yeah, yeah right now. They're not right now. They have $30 million in cap room to spend in free agency with this free agency class. I think their biggest hole personally is at goalie. This is a good goalie free agency class, but even beyond just that with 30 million to spend, if they spend it correctly and players are willing to go here, is this team a playoff team? With thirty million dollars to spend, Sammy. Uh, it could be. The one argument that I would have is with with goalie that you're saying. So if you look at Drieger over the last two years, the guy's got a nine thirty save percentage. I mean he's he's a he's a decent goalie. Like he was just split in time in Florida because of uh you know the the depth that they've got there and and the other players. So I'm not as worried about goalie 
as much as, and we talked a little bit off air about this or, or earlier today, um, that blue line is what worries me. I don't think they've got the defensemen that, that can hang. They definitely don't have a top four. And if you're looking at their number one defenseman being 38 year old dear Jono, um, that's tough, man. I, I just don't see it. Yanni Gord, you know, coming from my lightning, where are they going to put him as the number two center? I mean, right now, I think he's the number one. If you look at that roster, I mean, it's Quinn him or yarn crock. And I can tell you right now, Yanni Gord is at best a middle six. He's not a top line center. He is all out energy. He needs to be on a checking line with guys who are going to be bringing the same amount of energy as him. And that's not typically what you see on a, a first or sometimes even second line. I could see them doing yarn crock as a center one McCann as a center two and Gord on a physical line as a center three. I, you know, I mean, if, if that's what their plan is, I would be shocked that they're going to spend over 5 million a year on a third line center when you don't have the team that the Tampa Bay lightning had Tampa Bay lightning had the luxury of, of paying their third line center 5 million a year. The Kraken don't, they don't have the players elsewhere to make up for that. The only thing I can guarantee from this team is one Jordan Eberle is a first line right wing Two. Oh yeah. He's good. He's real good. Yeah. Two Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann will be on the same line because they played on the same line in Pittsburgh last season. Those are the only two things I can guarantee. Tanev and McCann are on the same line. Everlays are a right wing one. So if you got if there's if there's the, their two biggest holes are obviously goalie and uh, and your top forward line. Um, the big thing to note is there's a very strong uh, goalie class, and then there's a they they took a lot of young players without a lot of cap hit. So. One, uh, if you're thinking top center is what they need, David Krejci is an unrestricted free agent, free agent this year. You know, so that that's a guy that you could easily stick in there with, with a mostly young team, and I think you'd fit all right. Brandon Saad is, is on the board. You know, a lot of these guys are probably going to get signed, but uh, like uh, Kobe, Kobe, you, so so you said yeah, you so you said. You agreed with Quinn. Goalie is their biggest hole. And then you said uh, basically their their number one line. You think their blue line is good? I think that their it's blue better line than is, their offense. Their blue line is probably their strong suit. Not that it's the best blue line in the league. You know. It's their uh, strength right now. You know. And to say it's their strength isn't to say that they're a top ten defensive team by any stretch of the imagination. The fact of the matter is, is the roster stands. If they sign nobody and they go into next season, um, right now with this roster, they're gonna they're gonna suck, you know. And yeah, all, so what I what I want to say really quick for all the people that looked at the expansion draft format and what Vegas did with it, and then said that the the expansion draft format is flawed and the only reason Vegas was good was because it was flawed. Look at the Seattle Kraken team that had the exact same fucking format and tell me that that's a Stanley cup final team immediately. Well, no, hold on. it is not. Hold on. 
so so the one thing that Vegas had going for it was that they were able to leverage their position and the players that were available, which we'll, we'll say they were relatively equivalent, they were able to leverage those players and make side deals that now GMs were not willing to make because they realized that the, the impact that it had on the, on the Vegas Knights. So there was a, a, there's a direct correlation between the two, and it all has to do with the way that Vegas was completely, completely uh, just amazing with the way they, they ran everything. They got so many picks and players with side deals that ended up working out, and there was a matter of luck there too. But they worked the system to the best of their ability. The Kraken weren't able to do that because of the past history with Vegas and what everybody saw they were able to do. So they tried to drive the same deals. They just couldn't get them through. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, that makes sense. So now what I'm going to do is I pulled up an article. This is the top 30 unrestricted free agents in hockey, understanding the fact that Seattle has 30 mil in cap room to work with. Don't go through all 30. Just give us the give us the highlights. I think I have the same article up. Um, so number one is Dougie Hamilton. It's a bit that's a big name. And Sammy, you were talking about their blue line. Dougie Hamilton would be a huge addition of that. Yes, he would. Number two was, and I say was because this article was posted today, but not 33 minutes ago, is Gabriel Landiscog, who just signed an eight-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche. He will retire there. So Landis Cog off the board. He's an avalanche for his career. Then we got Philip Grubauer, Philip Deneau, Tyson Berry, Blake Coleman, David Krejci, as Kobe was talking about, Kyle Palmieri, Ryan Suter, Brandon Sods there. Then you, know, you got your Tuka Rasks, your Nick Felinos. Uh, well, to, to, to give you an idea. Would you have Blake Coleman, number eight? Blake Coleman, according to this article, is six. Blake Coleman is six, and he was a third-line forward for the Lightning. So that's where you need to get to be a Stanley Cup competing team right now. He's a number six free agent, and he was a third-line winger on the Stanley Cup champ. That's number six. So, I mean, kind of put that in, in perspective. Let's see. You know, then we got guys like Paul Stastny's down here at 18, which could be the exact veteran guy at center that a team like Seattle could need. Peter like, Moray's yeah, on board. Nick Benino's at 23. They're not going to be good. They're Zach Parise. No, they're not going to be good. You're right. Like, we can sit here and argue, you know, even if they spend all $30 million in free agency, what's they're not going to do? But even if they did, they're not a playoff team. This is just the proof that the current expansion format in the NHL works. This is not a playoff team. Are they going to be fun to watch because they're new? Yes, but it's not a playoff team. I don't think – does anyone – Either of y'all uh, want to argue that, that they're not a playoff team year one. 
No, no. I said their ceiling is a seven or eight seed. And, I mean, that would be. And that's, that's just, generous. Exactly. I'll argue, I mean, that's, I'll argue that's, even that's, only for the case of being contrarian. You know, if you spend the money and get it right, you know, yeah, Cal Yarncroft proved to be both a great penalty killer and a great uh, um, uh, power play uh, guy for the Preds. You go get Nick Benino right there. Toby, your homer is showing. My homer is showing, you're right. But you go get Nick Benino right there as your PK pair, and that was one of the better penalty kills in the league the year that they almost won the Stanley Cup to your Penguins, which really Almost was- being the key. I, look, man, look, man, you're not beating Sid Crosby in the NBA playoffs. It's not thing. It rarely happens. You know, right? Barry Trotz and they make your a head deep coach. <laughs> Different story. That's so, the fucking yeah. counter to Pittsburgh hockey. Just have Barry Trotz as your head coach. Nope, there's one there's one other coach that that uh flyer the ex Flyers coach Peter Laviolette, which is why we got you guys to game six. <laughs> If that wasn't the coach, that was the team. And also yeah. rivalry being a part. Rivalry is a big part of that. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who the coaches are on either side or even who the players are on either side. If the Penguins and Flyers ever play a series, my God, tune the fuck in. Hey, so I'm going to digress. I'm going to go away from the crack and, and I'm going to ask you guys a question about the playoffs. So for those of you that didn't know, the NHL this year played a pod system where there were four divisions. They only played within the division, took the top four from each division and basically played a, a playoff series out of that. The winner went on and played the winner of another division. And then obviously same thing on the other side. Did you guys like that format compared to previous years? No, not, not long-term. Uh, I, I liked it and understood why they needed to do that. Um, but my favorite thing are those two games a year with the Steelers play or not Steelers, sorry, Predators play the Penguins where the Kings play the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, you know, or as uh, the one guy said in the Kraken expansion draft, the Carolina Panthers. But So what about, but what about the playoff format? All right, fine. We play a normal NHL regular season schedule. And then when it comes to playoffs, we do the same thing again, where we take the top four in each division, they play each other and the winner goes on to play the winner of another division. What'd you guys think about, think about that moving forward? So I'm okay with that moving forward. Yeah. I I, Um, I mean, so not to cut you off, you know, but, but to keep going, I thought it was very interesting to see, you know, Montreal being, I'm going to say out of in quotes, the team out of the West, you know, because they played, and it was reseeded every uh, the, the series once they got out of the uh, out of the divisions, and so that's how Montreal ended up playing Vegas in the uh, in the, the Western Conference Finals or, or, or the semifinal, whatever the hell it was called. Um, I, I I actually kind of like that format. I like the way it it played out. Maybe the regular season. I agree with you, Kobe. I like to see you know some of those those cross divisional cross uh, cross conference games. But the playoffs, I thought it was, I thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, from a playoff perspective, it makes sense. I'm I'm with Kobe and also you, Sammy, on the fact that like I don't want to see two teams playing in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals that haven't played all year. Um, like 
the fact that, you know, you had the Islanders and Lightning matching up and those teams had not seen each other all year. That's not the way that's supposed to go. Those yeah. teams should have played at some point. Um, but the way that it, the way that they did it this year from a, from a playoff format. Yes. I also think we need to fix divisions though, because the Canadian division is a joke and we need to fix that. Well, the Canadian division isn't normally a division, right? It's not. And that's what I'm saying is we, we, if we went back to what the divisions were before COVID and did the exact playoff format that we just had, I'm all for it. I think it works just fine. Yeah, I think but that's I get why they had to do what they did. No, yeah, because you couldn't travel between Canada and America. So it made perfect sense for what they did. But moving forward, if we did the exact same playoff format, but went back to the divisions pre COVID, I think it works just fine. And I'm actually all for it. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's, that, that, well, that, that's how you end up getting that, that playoff series, like you mentioned earlier, where, where Florida's playing, playing Tampa. And it's, it's more regionalized and then you kind of go national and then obviously international with the Canadian teams. So I, I, I liked it. I, I thought it worked really well. I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, how it all played out. Sorry, I cut you off Kobe. No, no worries. But, but the, my point is it, it get going back to the old ones gets uh, the Preds out of a division with the Stanley cup champions and Carolina, who, quite frankly, might have been Stanley Cup champions had it not been for Tampa. Uh, you had two like the two of the top four or five contenders there in that one division, and we would have had to yeah. play both of them to get to the final. Yeah, hey, I got one last question on, on hockey. So, so you kind of <laughs> passively, aggressively mentioned it earlier, Kobe. You know, what, what are your guys' thoughts about the way the Lightning – work the cap situation this year with Kucherov. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Nikita Kucherov, uh, Hart Trophy winner, so MVP of the league previously, uh, basically sat out the entire regular season because he had a hip injury, had surgery, and came back for the first game of the playoffs. So he didn't count against the salary cap. So essentially the Lightning were playing over the salary cap. Uh, you know, throughout How the much entire was it? Playoffs. How much was 18 it? $18 million. Yeah. Um, so – I describe it as one word. I'm a little salty just because, like, uh, you know, the other 30 teams didn't think of it. It's a ge- It was genius. You know, Nikita Kucherov clearly could have come back earlier, but why? Why would he whenever the rules are that playoff hockey is free hockey in the NHL? There's no salary cap. So, at the end of the day, that it made zero sense for him to come back. A they have to bring out rules, I think, to, to make it to where that's not the case. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it was a genius uh, bending but not breaking of the rules. Uh, Belichick-level uh, rule-bending. Uh, it was a loophole find. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it, the first exactly time. It wasn't, but it wasn't the first time we've seen him with a Stanley Cup champion either. Patrick Kane did the same thing. In yep. 2015, with the uh, with the Blackhawks, and so I think my my thoughts on it is, it was it was like Kobe said, it's a it's a genius move. People can be mad at it because they won the championship, but if your team had done it, you'd be just fine with it. Let's be honest. Like as as a Penguins fan, 
if Crosby was hurt the whole year and we brought in all these fucking studs to replace Crosby because that was a huge hole in our salary and then brought him back for the postseason and romped through the playoffs, I'd be a-okay with it as, as angry as people would have been about it. You know, th- and that's the way you got to look at it is let's say your best player, like this, this is how you look at it as a hockey fan. My best players hurt for the entire year. So my team fills his salary cap void with a whole bunch of studs and then brings him back in the postseason and wins a cup because of it. Are you upset? Absolutely. The fuck not. I can tell you from experience. You're not. Yeah, you're not. So thanks, Tammy. Just rub salt right in that wound. <laughs> and also, and also, as much as you want to be salty about it, how many season-ending injuries, air quotes, um, are people ready to go by the postseason? Like if it's an ACL, he's out for he's out for the season, guaranteed. If it's an Achilles, he's out for the season, maybe longer. You know, he Nikita Kucherov. What, what was the injury again? It was his. Uh, he tore his labrum in his hip, so he had surgery. Um, and I think they delayed it until November. And with, with, with this thought in mind, they delayed it until November. They timed the, it for this purpose. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Which is why, in my opinion, and, and Kobe's right, the NHL is going to have to rework the playoff salary cap rules. This is a thing that they can't allow to keep happening. And if they do allow it to keep happening, it's going to become more and more of an issue until they finally fix it. It's going to be the only way to win the Stanley Cup is to cheat. And it's not cheating. It's playing by the rules. It's just a broken fucking rule. Yeah, it's a bad rule. I mean, it's, it's a bad it's, rule. And it, it, it comes down to you know, the old phrase, don't hate the player, hate the game. The Lightning are just a player. The game is the NHL. Fix your fucking rules. They're just playing by them. I said cheating for lack of a better term. Not they, they didn't cheat. They didn't break the rules. It's I not cheating. It's finding a loophole. Fine, fine. But the it's only what way rich people do is- with taxes. Exactly. The so, lightning just pulled a rich person. The, the lightning are Jeff Bezos. The lightning are the Jeff Bezos of hockey and got away with it. Yep. yep. They ain't getting away with it now, though. I can tell you guys that. Not yet. The, the rules getting changed this off season. I, no, think that's I, don't, a, I don't think so. I don't think the rule will get, well, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. So that's the big thing. So next, next contract if they negotiate, that's when it'll get changed. And didn't they just but, sign the CBA like two years ago? Yeah. It's, it's pretty recent. It, I know, it's what through 26. I think it's have to yeah. get at least looked at. It's going to have to get looked at though. Partially because Nikita Kucherov straight up wearing the 18 million over the cap shirt holding the Lombardi in the Stanley cup. I, someone's got to talk about that. That's going to come up in a conversation. Hey, don't but, talk about my, my boy Nikita like that. That's our no, next no, no. That is my, that, that might so, be a top <laughs> five picture on Instagram this year. So speaking, speaking of Nikita, man. speaking of Nikita, we're going to move things along here in honor of Nikita. Sammy's number one bullshit. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. What is it? Yeah, so we got a new segment, guys. It's uh, Sammy's number one bullshit, and I'll I'll start it out this one time with giving you guys the, the background. If you have not seen Nikita Kucherov's uh, Stanley Cup final game-clinching interview, it is fantastic. The guy's just chugging Bud Lights. He goes through, Quentin, what do we say, three in about five, six, seven minutes? 
Yeah. He's, he's just chugging beers like uh, like he just won the Stanley Cup, basically. He's got no shirt on, sitting in the uh, – That's my favorite sitting the, part. Sit, sitting, in the, yeah, sitting in the press conference. Someone brings him some champagne, and he says, no, no, that's not Bud Light. That's number one bullshit. That's a Bud Light, you know? That's not champagne. Oh, okay. You're right back. That's the number one bullshit again. And he drops a number one bullshit. That's his, that's his line at least five different times during this interview. So without further ado, new segment, Sammy's number one bullshit of the week. Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. All right. So I am really pissed about this NCAA conference realignment. It's complete bullshit. We got Texas and Oklahoma. I've now decided that they're going to leave the big 12 and they're going to go to the sec. And I get it from an individual institution perspective, you know, as a Florida state fan, if they wanted to join the sec, I'd be completely on board with it. The only problem I have with it is we are now consolidating so much power and so much money into one single conference in college football that nobody else can compete. So you've got the SEC, which is going to be way higher than everybody else. The Big 12 is no longer going to exist. You've got the ACC, which is now an also-ran, with basically Clemson, the only team that can compete. The Big 10, which has got some big institutions that bring in a lot of money. But again, you've got one team that can compete in Ohio State. Nobody out west right now uh, really has those resources. Maybe in Oregon or a USC in the future, but you know, at present time, you just there's nobody that can compete with the sec so now you've got an oklahoma an alabama an auburn a florida an lsu you know all these teams that have made the playoff except for florida f florida uh that have made the playoff in in the past and you're just consolidating so much power and so much money into one conference that it's completely slanting the landscape of college football from what it's been in the past I'm all for change. I don't have a problem with that, but I like to see the regional powers. I like to see different teams from different areas perform and do things. And God, that's not what's going to happen with the, uh, with Texas and Oklahoma joining the sec. It's going to be just one conference dominating year after year after year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm right with you. Cause I think, Notre Dame and West Virginia are going to join the ACC because it makes sense from a localization perspective. And you're going to see the rest of the Big 12 kind of split up between the Pac-12 and the Big 10. And you're right, none of those conferences compete. Because even with Notre Dame, who consistently is the biggest, you know, joke of a powerhouse in college football, they're not going to be able to compete with Clemson. West Virginia will be third, the third best team in the ACC, but they're not competing with competing with Clemson and Notre Dame, and the Pac-12 is still going to be a joke. The Big Ten still is going to be controlled by Ohio State. Like things aren't going to change outside of the SEC just getting better. So oh, you're on, you're dead on. on. One question I got: Did you really just say West Virginia is going to be the third best team in the ACC? Yeah. Huh. Okay, we'll move on from that very quickly to Kobe. Um, well, I, I think Quinn's wrong for two reasons on the WVU thing, and I, I'm a WVU uh, former student. I can't say alumni. I didn't graduate. 
Um, hey, hey, bro, if you went to the school, you're an alum. You don't have to graduate. That's a proven fact. Oh, okay. I'm a West Virginia alum. I think not only will we not be a top three school in the ACC, I don't think we're going to be in the ACC. I think it'll be Big Ten because for a couple of reasons. Bring back One, the backyard brawl. I, I agree with you. The rivalries are there in the ACC. And However, location. Do you remember why the Big East started many years ago? Why? So originally, the Penn State wanted to start a conference with WVU specifically. Those are going to be the the two teams that were going to start this conference. Are going to be this great thing. WV said no. We're going to go with most pretty much the Northeast and do the do the Big East uh, uh, conference. That's the conference we're going to go with. And so. I think geographically you get the, you know, the Ohio teams, they already go to Iowa every other year for Iowa State. So now they'll just play Iowa and potentially Iowa State joins the Big Tens. They already go there a bunch. And, and both conferences make more sense geographically than the Big 12 does anyway. The Big 12 made no fucking sense. Look at who the, what, the Mountaineers were playing. That travel never made sense. Okay, it was never about the travel. It was about the money. It was about wanting to create that air it was. raid. Offense. They wanted the air raid offense because it sold tickets. Well, they wanted the fan base. They wanted the fan base. There's a good fan base in, in West Virginia. Uh, they, they still draw eyes. I mean, West Virginia's a fun team to watch. So, I mean, I guess maybe that air raid, like you said, kind of plays into that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's the fan base and they, the eyes that are on them. They're, they they're a name. To, if they go to the ACC – then they're going to go to a more spread uh, mobile quarterback style like they had with Pat White. If they go to the Big 12, it's going to turn to a more pro, pro style. And I think you could see them go to a pro style, you know, being really close to uh, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, one of the – or not Pittsburgh, sorry, like Penn State, one of the most renowned pro style uh, – uh, teams in college football um, and, and their ability to pr- produce pro ready players, even, you know, every year. Um, I, I think you can see them going to either one of those conferences, uh, ACC or, or big 10. Yeah. And I think it, it I'm, I'm with you. It does come down to those two. I just think the ACC due to location and, team need makes more sense so what i see happening moving forward and this isn't even the next couple years this is going to be by 2030 i see you end up with a 20 team sec a 20 team big 10 and then whatever the hell happens out west and i think you just get these mega conferences that dominate and i think it just becomes for lack of a better term a rich man's game you know, there's going to be so much money in the Southeast. And I honestly think Florida State will be part of that. Part of, I, I say Florida State, and I center on Florida State because obviously I went there. Uh, but I see like a Florida State joining the SEC. I could see a team like Miami joining the SEC to, to fill out that 20. And then you end up with that regional power that's better conference-wise, top to bottom, than anybody else and has the vast majority 
of the big names. And then I could see something like a, a big 10 jump in and pick up a West Virginia. I could actually see them picking up a Notre Dame before the ACC does. Um, granted, the ACC or, is the ACC. I was going to say, or the ACC does pick up Notre Dame and West Virginia, and they break down into the Big Ten in this three-conference powerhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's so so. ACC's got an exclusivity agreement with Notre Dame until 2036. That if Notre Dame joins the conference, it has to be the ACC. I just see, uh, and I'm looking at it from a regional perspective. You know, I can see something where everybody from Texas and Oklahoma East and in the South is now part of a mega conference. That's the SEC. I can see a mega conference throughout the Midwest. That's now the Big Ten. And then I can see something on the West Coast forming. And you end up with uh, two and a half or three major conferences that just dominate college football. And, you know, it's just something you got to wrap your, your head around. Like, you know, you guys are in your twenties, right? I'm, yeah. I'm only, and I'm only 40, you know, and pretty much all I can remember is Florida state being in the ACC. I remember when they were independent before that somewhat, but you know, it's just, just here and there. I can remember a couple games and it's, I, I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing, but it just, it, it just doesn't seem right. I guess is, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I mean, like, I didn't follow college sports really until I got to WVU. You know, I mean, four years ago. College sports were just never really my thing. No one in my family really followed it. If anything, I was a quote-unquote Virginia Tech fan just off of where family had gone to school. And then when I went to WVU, I became a Mountaineer fan. And so, like, to see the Big 12 breaking down, it's like, you know, for, for me, it's like, you know, this is for me, my school is a big 12 school. They were big East before that, but I didn't follow when they were in the big East or a big 12 school. And, you know, it, it, I, I think they could have, you know, worked themselves into a position to have, you know, made a bigger name for themselves in the big 12, but I could see them in the ACC using the name of the conference to help, you know, pull in bigger names. And like, I'm seeing them pulling in four-star, five-star recruits even now with the question mark of where they're going to go. So that that's also a big thing to me is what are recruits going to do now, knowing that, you know, all of college football is about to realign from a conference perspective. How do you feel as a high school athlete? Let's say you're a five-star high school athlete and you have offers from four different big 12 teams that you know aren't going to be big 12 teams when you're a freshman. What are you doing right now? I mean, uh, depends on your position, but really SEC has the, has the, uh, the ESPN deal. So since they have the ESPN deal, it just makes the most sense. Go with that team. That's where you get the most national coverage. So, yeah, so let's say, let's say you're a high end because you're right. If you have an offer from Texas or Oklahoma, that's where you're going. Let's say you're, we'll we'll say a four star recruit because a five star recruit recruit is going to have an SEC SEC offer. Let's say you're a four star recruit. You have like an offer from Texas Tech, Baylor, West Virginia, and 
Iowa State. Those are your only four offers for a full ride. You don't know where any of these schools are winding up. What's your mental state in right now? Where are you? How are you trying to decide where you're going to go, knowing that that conference is changing? Well, hold on, hold on. Let's not speculate. I can give you this answer on the next one. I got a, a guy I played high school football with whose son just committed to Iowa State. Funny that you should mention them. He had offers to Indiana. He had an offer to maybe not a committable offer, but he had an offer to Penn State. He had a non-committable offer to Florida State, but he ended up going to Iowa State. Let's table this for two weeks till our next podcast, and we can have this discussion again, and I can give you guys an exact answer of, of how this entire thing has shaped their perspective. Yeah. Maybe even, if possible, see if he can join us as a guest and we can talk to him about you know the process of dealing with a team that is in a conference that is dissolving yep yeah i'll, I'll see about it yeah so for those for the for those of you guys that want to check him out his name is greg Gaines the third he's a wide receiver out of tampa so yes yeah, so and make sure you're you're back here because even if he's not here, there will be conversations that are had with him that will lead to information that maybe we don't have otherwise. So could be some breaking news here on the Hot by Happy Hour. It's going to be worth checking out. Uh, anyone have any last thoughts before I hit us with our music moment and send us off? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. All right. So music moment. It's going to be from the band. They just released a new single. Hold it's on, band. Quinn. Hold on, Quinn. Did you get our Twitter handles? Oh, you're right. We got to get that in there. I don't think yeah. Kobe has a Twitter. Damn it. Make one. Um, I will. So for now, Sammy, where can we find you on the social media platforms? At Samuel underscore Gordon on Twitter. Hit me up. Uh, like we always talk about anything that you want to talk about beer related, uh, scotch, not really a bourbon guy, but you can ask me my uneducated opinion on bourbon if you want and definitely cigars. And again, hit up bestcigarprices.com online, hit up that promo code, Sammy Claus, 10% off the entire store. If uh, you're having issues with that promo code, hit me up on Twitter and, uh, and let me know. And I'll make sure that thing is up and ready to go. And, Hit us up on that fantasy uh, expo here coming up in what three weeks, Quinn? Yeah, three? like like three weeks. Me and Sammy will both be there. Brad's gonna be there. The Maddie Daddy is gonna be there. Brian, Eric. I mean, like if you listen to the fantasy affair, those names that you think of off the top of your hair from head from our group, we're all gonna be there. Come show up, hang out. What are we we're doing? All gonna be there. And what are we doing? What? We got the we got the the pre party going on Saturday night. We're hosting it. Uh, we'll have some some beers. I got gift bags coming from uh from Best Scar Prices. So yeah, come hang out with us, have some drinks, shoot the shit with us. You know, you guys know what to do. Where can we find you, Quinn? Yes, yeah, so you can hit me up at Quinn underscore Cusky on Twitter. You want to talk football? You want to talk video games? You want to talk beer? I don't care. Hit me up. You know, we're down to chat. 
the other thing is the fantasy football expo. It hasn't been confirmed, but I'm trying to make it happen. I'm going to have early access to Madden 22. The fantasy football expo is before the date that Madden 22 is expected to drop. I should, I cannot confirm, but I should have a console with the full game of Madden 22 installed, downloaded, and we'll be playing games of Madden 22 pre-release at the Fantasy Football Expo. So that alone, if you weren't ready to go, if you're a Madden guy, you weren't planning on going to the Fantasy Football Expo, you want to play Madden half a week early, I'll be there with it ready to go. How is it? You've already played a little bit of it, right? I have played a little bit of it. I bit I played it. I got about a week access of, about half a month ago. Um, they fixed a lot of the issues for for those people that really play Madden Twenty One heavy. You know about the issues of delay fades. They're fixed. Delay fades are fixed. A lot of the major issues that you felt in Madden Twenty One seem to be solved, which is an awesome feeling the gameplay feels a lot better especially on next gen where if you played 21 on next gen it felt clunky it felt robotic that doesn't seem to be a, a similar issue here i'm i'm pessimistically excited and i say that because it's still ea sports and i still don't trust them to produce a good game but i I'm, I'm trying to contain my high hopes because I feel like this game could be good. Nice. So come hit us up if you guys uh, want to hang out and have some beverages, talk fantasy football, get a little Madden in, fantasy yeah. football expo, a couple weeks. And the other thing is when that game drops, I'm going to be running that, that weekend that the game is out. I will be doing a 24-hour live stream on my Twitch of just me – I'll be grinding some Madden Ultimate Team, building my team up, or playing playing people that want to play a game of Madden 22, anything. But I will be live for 24 hours on Twitch, Pens1206, P-E-N-S-1206. Hit me up on there. Drop a follow. Get ready, because when Madden 22 drops, we're doing a 24-hour live stream. It's going to be exhausting, but damn it, we're going to do it. Kobe, where can they find you at? On Instagram, we've been over this. It's uh, difficult. It's uh, at CJGXCVIII, which is literally just my initials and the Roman numeral 98. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> yeah, just when you, when you create your Twitter handle, make it easier to find. You know, maybe CVG1998. Uh, 98, but yeah. Yeah, so maybe, you know, who knows? Um, this will this will probably be posted on Wednesday, the twenty eighth. So, who knows? Maybe Kobe has a Twitter handle CVG ninety eight. Try to find it. All right, with that, we're out, right? Oh yeah, so we're heading out. We got us we got us a music moment to go over. And this band here, it's one of my favorite metal bands out there right now. Make Them Suffer. 
they released a single called Contraband. It features Courtney LaPlante from the band Spirit Box. And she's a female vocalist, and it's one of those few female vocalists that you hear. And it's like, holy shit, that's a woman producing these sounds. And it's fantastic. The song is Contraband. Check it out. We're out. Peace. Later, fellas. Another!